Welcome, everyone, to We Have Issues, our weekly comic book podcast that opens the vault, feels the boom, weathers the aftershock, and marvels at every issue released this week. I'm your host, Keith, and I'm joined by my stalwart sidekick, who is always at my side, Hostway. Light week, another one, but every single light week is always such quality, quality stuff. Yeah, definitely super light, especially from places we usually get a lot of books, like yeah. Image in DC. I think really that's I mean, I didn't have to consider buying the specific trade. I can't wait to talk about it later. Yes, it gave me a chance to read some trades too, which is great. Uh, but I do need to mention we are joined by our good friend Case Aiken from Certain POV. Case, welcome. Yes. Hey, thanks for having me back. <laughs> of course. I mean, we always like to have you on, but this week of all weeks, I knew we had to have you or Mitch on. <laughs> and I was like, well, let me ask Case first. And here we are. So, I mean, I, I am not possessive. I, I would be happy to have Mitch join on this one. Honestly, it was almost both of you. <laughs> I was like, it's such a big week. There's all so much to talk about. Uh, so we are going to launch straight into the news because uh, we have a lot to talk about. I'm going to start with some indie stuff. Um Amazon has, I, I want to say, yeah, they fully landed the deal. It's not negotiated. It's done. Amazon has landed a deal to adapt Brubaker and Phillips's series Criminal. Ooh, oh, shit. For the streamer, uh, which is very interesting. Uh, that's not something that was ever on my radar to be adapted, mm-hmm. but it's a, it, I think that's a good decision. Like, Amazon's snapping up everything they can. And is anyone adapting adapting comics better than amazon right now you know Mm, yeah no they've been really knocking it out of the park like i i only just recently caught up on the boys and wow season three wow (laughs) it's a lot but yeah it's good like yeah like really good like very very happy with all the things that amazon is doing so that's exciting to hear and then i'm really excited how this is gonna go because i was a big fan of because i don't read um what's it called I don't read criminal on the regular, but I have read like bits and pieces of it, like specifically bad weekend. And then, um, all your heroes are junkies. I think is what it's called. They're mm-hmm. very, very good fucking books. So yeah, I, I can definitely see those being played out in a, especially for Amazon will be really good. Yeah. And like, even like stuff that's not comic related, but is genre related. They're so good at like, they're the ones who did good omens, which was incredible. They're the ones who did the expanse, which is my favorite sci-fi show ever. Like they're just amazing. So I'm 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 very genuinely excited for this. I think it's a great opportunity. So oh, and also have a uh, cruel summer that still I've yet to read. I will this year. Hell yeah! Next thing, this hit two minutes ago, and I'm so excited that I accidentally linked it to you instead of our recording link. Oh. Netflix has currently walked back the new password sharing rules. Ha! Huh, look at that, claiming that they were <laughs> posted in error. Oh, an error! That's a whoopsie doopsie error. <laughs> Like, that that feels like the theme of 2023. <laughs> Don't you walk back errors much quicker than they walked this back? <laughs> uh, so yeah, uh, for a brief time, we thought that they're going to narrow it down, kind of like Hulu Cable does, which is what I have for cable. You have to check in with your home like location once a month in order to continue using it. The good thing is, is that that's only the cable. Like it's only if you have cable. It's not just the streaming service. So, mm-hmm. uh, but Netflix tried to roll that out, and that didn't go over well. And now they're walking it back. So just because it just dropped, I had to mention it. <laughs> so. I am kind of hating that this era of like we're gonna test the waters and by like putting out a thing that's really bad, and then see see how people respond to it, and like what things they respond to specifically before we like make it a little bit tamer. It's like beta testing all yeah. of our bad news. <laughs> Yeah, you you went through the D&D OGL drama with me over the past couple of weeks. Right? 
But also, to be fair, that's not a straight comparison because they didn't leak it. They sent it to like the content creators who then leaked it. <laughs> like, so it's not like they threw it out to the public. Be like, what do you think of this? Give us the bad things, you know? So, oh, I mean, oh, that that's completely different. Like, like the content creators weren't going to be like, what the fuck is this, guys? I, I, yeah, <laughs> no, I, I get that. Hey, make them do the dirty work. <laughs> so, I mean, um, it's so frustrating because like we knew that Netflix was going through a shakeup in terms of like their financing. So it's like not an entirely huge surprise that they were going to try to do something. I'm yeah. just annoyed that everyone's like, let's <laughs> let's just see how mad people will get and then figure out how far we can push it exactly yeah it's it's obnoxious just like when they jack prices up or something like that they're like uh, uh, how bad do you hate this so <laughs> uh next up uh amazing comic creator bill sinkowitz very quick uh note he does not like ai art and he oh. made that very clear on his instagram or twitter uh he <laughs> he drew an amazing picture of a hand flipping off AI art with seven fingers. <laughs> oh, so good. Yeah, we've been very outspoken against AI art, so every time I see an article about it, I have to bring it up. <laughs> so technically, eight fingers. Oh, one, two, three. Oh, yeah. The thumb. I, I missed one. Yeah. <laughs> so awesome. All right. So normally we go to DC and then Marvel, but we're actually going to Marvel first, and you'll you guys probably know why. Um, so this one's a rumor. I don't like talking about rumors, but I love this so much. A new rumor suggests that Marvel is eyeing actor Dev Patel potentially for the role of Reed Richards in Fantastic Four. Um, Dev Patel is one of the sexiest men in Hollywood. Oh, so shit. I know what I'm going to cosplay then. <laughs> he's almost too good for Reed Richards. <laughs> so, um, yeah, this is this is a leak. It's not clarified or it's not confirmed or anything like that. And again, I normally don't look into this stuff, this stuff like this, but... I mean, it's it's Dev Patel. I love him. So yeah. <laughs> um, I'd like that. Uh, other names being rumored are uh, Diego Luna and Adam Driver are the ones I'm hearing. I don't think I want Adam Driver as Reed Richards. Yeah. No. I, I like Adam Driver. He's too strong of a personality. Reed needs to be kind of timid. I don't know. I, I'm very picky with my Reed. I also like Reed when he's evil the most. So personally. But yeah, I just thought that would be interesting to bring up. Um and be very interesting to see who they put across him and the rest of the group too. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like Reed, I feel is the one that has the most flexibility because he's kind of the outlier from the rest of the group. I mean, like I guess Ben also to a certain degree, but like, I, like when they did Fanforstic, it was so weird where it was like, okay, let's have an adopted brother or adopted sister just so we can have like a traditionally like blonde woman as the invisible right. woman, right. and it was like strange there. Ben has like an element of just being like specific. Class, <laughs> like, oh, like, I, got, I got you. Yeah, like I mean, it would be great if it was a Jewish actor because that's like one of the few like canonically Jewish characters in comics. Yeah. But Reed is kind of like, well, whatever. As long as he's like affluent, like you're kind of fine. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and the fan force stick did, the, the thing did bother me because it was almost like the, we're gonna have a black character and like which one? Human Torch. Oh, great. So Sue's black too, right? Whoa, 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 whoa. We already got one black character. Exactly. <laughs> and also, how much more interesting would it have been if if the thing was the black character in that group? I, like, yeah, but then I mean, the, I realize oh, you could push it too yeah. far. <laughs> like, yeah. The one, the one black guy is the monster. That right. would be a weird thing too. Um, I mean. I, and I love Jamie Bell, so I, I, that's the only thing about Fan Force that I liked was Jamie Bell. <laughs> so, like, but I have a weakness for that man. But yeah, I'm excited. I, obviously, I think this is going to be the best Fantastic Four movie yet, and that's not really a hard competition. <laughs> that's a really low bar. <laughs> 
Next up, I love this one, and it's another time I'm really happy to have Case on here. Dan Slott was talking about the Spider-Verse and all the variant Spider-Mans he wanted to make. And he put just some of the Spider-Verse characters I asked for and I did not get. A Spider-Mickey Mouse and or Donald. Spider-Gritty, as in the Philadelphia Flyers mascot. Right. And a Jedi Spider. How cool would that have been? They do have the Star Wars rights. <laughs> like, they could have done that. This is exactly why I'm happy Dan Slott no longer writes Spider-Man. <laughs> You're such a hater. <laughs> like, I would love that. I mean, as a goofy character, I could see that being a lot of fun. And, like, as much as I don't like the Straczynski style, like, it's a totem of an animal, blah, blah, blah. Like, that actually meshes fairly well with Jedi stuff. So. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, we have a Disney princess spider. (laughs) Yeah. Like, like how off is that? You know what I mean? So I just thought that was fun to bring up. All right. So Guardians of the Galaxy. We're getting this new series by Al Ewing. uh, Or no, sorry. Off of the Al Ewing run, written by Colin Kelly and Jackson Lansing. Mm -hmm. And we've seen some art. We've seen some previews. But we don't know too much about. There's a lot implied about what's going to happen. So CBR sat down and talked to... uh, Jackson Lansing about it. And it is going to tie from one series to another. First of all, there will be connective tissue. It's not just going to be a weird reboot, which happens a lot for the Guardians, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, One thing they did mention is that um, Rocket and Groot will be there, Hmm. despite not being in the art. But Moondragon and Phylavel probably (gasps) won't. Uh, Damn it. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, it's just they're probably not going to be involved. If they are, it's not going to be much. Uh, The one thing I do like is that they did add Mantis to the core group, the core MCU style Mm -hmm. group, Mm -hmm. which because I love MCU Mantis. I understand there's like some people who really don't like it, but I love Pom Pom Clement. I think she's incredible and I think she's the heart of that, really. And there's so much heart in Guardians to say she's the heart is interesting. Um but yeah, so we still, we'll see Rocket and Groot, uh, but of course, obviously, the first arc is called Groot Fall, so <laughs> like mm-hmm. how long that will last. And But yeah, it does seem like the core group is going to be Peter, Gamora, Nebula, Mantis, and Drax. So kind of interesting, kind of normie for the Guardians. You know, none of the really weird characters like Bug or Cosmo. It's yeah, all yeah. kind of just humanoid. It's almost, like, you know? almost going back to like that, that Bendis run again. Yeah, yeah. So, I think it's cool, though. I mean, I I love Guardians. That last run was so good. It was like awesome. Everybody was gay, and it was great. <laughs> like, uh, it was wonderful. So it was good. I mean, I I will say in terms of Phylavel and Moon Dragon, they do have space over Captain Marvel to start popping up pretty frequently. So it's not like they're going to just be banished into the Forgotten Realms. Like with with the extreme popularity of like the the Marvel Marvel franchise, uh, as it were, like they, they have some space to live. Like, uh, Jenna's had his own like run recently. So like you, and, and Philo was in it. So, and Moondragon was, you know, like they were in it. So like, I, I feel like they will be popping up around there. What I think is interesting is no one's saying anything about the fact that Hercules isn't there anymore. Hercules and his boyfriend are no longer guardians, but okay. Uh, cause they were one of the best parts of that last run. So interesting, but you're right. All the Marvel characters are kind of out there and available and swirling. And we are getting a, a movie, obviously the Marvels for the three main females. They might make a tie in book and use a bunch of these characters at once. I, I wouldn't be shocked. So, all right. So the big Marvel news, 
Marvel decided that last year, the controversy and hatred that they stirred up was not <laughs> enough. So we did the X-Men vote for a third year in a row. <laughs> Luckily, I think they mostly avoided, like, radiation-level like characters that would cause, like, extinction-level event arguments. So, our candidates are Jubilee, Juggernaut, Prodigy, Dazzler, Cannonball, and Frenzy. Now, just right off the top, before we jump into it, Hosway, who's your pick? And why is it Dazzler? Uh, that's the thing. I, I fucking love my girl Dazzler, but I really have to agree with what you said, with, with what you tweeted. And so I can't vote for Dazzler. <laughs> yeah. Case. Uh, oh, well, Hosway, what's your answer? Sorry. Just, um, like, honestly, it, say it. it's a toss up between uh, Frenzy and Marco. Case, what about yourself? Uh, so my literal pick in that I had, I've already voted uh, is uh, Frenzy. Uh, I mean, they're all characters I really like. I think the one that I have the easiest time saying you, you're, you're cool off on the sideline is Cannonball. Cannonball is like in a good space to be like, no, you're, you're, you're good. You're married. Like you, you, you hang out. You, <laughs> like, yeah. Hang out on the side. And every, every time that uh, Roberto wants to pull you in, like you can get pulled in for like a weird weekend, but you shouldn't be on the team. Like that makes, that's exactly right. And it's also one of those things where I, if cannonball wins, I will, I will have like another bitch fit like Firestar because out of all these characters and like, you also said it too, out of, from the past votes, this is the one where I would be okay with any of these winning. Uh, but with Cannonball is like the only character who's ever only outspoken, like, uh, 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 is ever outspoken to like not want to be in a team anymore. Cause you're right. He's a family man now. And it's only when he's at, ha- like, when Umberto has to like drag his ass over, but <laughs> he really doesn't want to be part of anything anymore. <laughs> yeah. I will say if I could have two, I would say Juggernaut and Dazzler together because oh. canonically Juggernaut is a Dazzler fan. And I want <laughs> that baby. <laughs> One of my favorite comics, such an underrated comic. I want that scenario to occur if, if at all possible, but if it, if it's just one of these, I think frenzy has the most potential that has not been explored, even though X-Men red has like done a lot with her. Not enough. Yes. Exactly. I think she's, I think she's primed for the limelight in a way that is similar to where sync was. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think my votes frenzy, obviously Uh, my tweet host referred to was, if a straight white woman wins the X-Men vote three years in a row, <laughs> like, cause it, it could happen, you know, like it really could with, uh, cause I actually had one person DM me be like, well, Firestar is not white. I'm like, Firestar is very white. You just think that all Firebase characters are Hispanic. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, she's not Hispanic. She's not even fire. She's microwaves. <laughs> like, exactly. So, um, I'd be fine with prodigy. Um, because I love the character. Yeah. But how much would he matter? You know and that, what I that's mean? the thing is like if Prodigy wins, is it because Sync is leaving like the like uh, Sheer on Firestar? Yeah. So there's like yeah, my call with Sunfire. Yeah, I like Juggernaut, but I really feel like they'd have to like explain why a mutant got chosen or a non-mutant got chosen. I yeah. feel like that'd be a weird story. I, I mean, I feel like <laughs> it wouldn't be that hard of a spin right there. Like he's Xavier's brother. He has been an X Men before. Um, yeah. Like it. I I, 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 lo- I like Juggernaut a lot, and especially once w- once it became, <laughs> I don't know why it took so long, but once I realized that he was gay, like that's when all of a sudden I was like, oh, this works really well. I'm I'm very happy f- for that. Black all. Tom, baby, <laughs> I know, right? Especially over, over in the shit that just happened in a in a book that we'll be talking about later in the episode. Oh, Juggernaut yeah. <laughs> did something so badass, or something happens to him that's so fucking awesome. 
Frenzy. I love well, Frenzy because the whole thing was Cyclops. I don't know why. Yeah, yeah. Like, which is she, the reason I want her there. Um, I saw some people be like, I don't want Frenzy on the X Men just to be like in love with Cyclops and watching her and Jean. I'm like, you don't understand the char- understand the character of Frenzy. Like, she's not going to sit there love Lauren and be like, oh, I love him. She's going to be like, fuck this, basically. <laughs> like, and I like that about her. She's very active and engaging you know, um, character who's very aggressive and, but also has like this, she holds so much inside of her. So she's a really interesting in depth character. I just love her so much. And coming out of that crossover, was it age of X? Yeah. Age, age of X where she had that alternate reality where her and Cyclops were in love coming out of it. She was never more interesting because she was thrust into the spotlight as a major character. And I loved that. So I, she deserves way more in this i think so that's why i'm going for her but i like mm-hmm. what we said i'd be fine with anyone winning i like all these characters yeah mm-hmm. i would be fascinated on a team that had both prodigy and sync and just saw like the feedback loop of their powers oh god yes. mutant circuits <laughs> that'd be cool all um, right that's special energy <laughs> <laughs> okay so let's talk about the big news the only dc news i have but it's a big one James Gunn was like, hey, I'm going to drop a six-minute video, and I'm going to take over the internet for three days. <laughs> it's still going. So he dropped down the uh, the future DC slate as of now. Uh, what I We'll start with before the big announcements. We're going to start about the little details I thought was interesting. He did announce that their goal is to keep the DCU unified for one story across film, television, gaming, and animation. Yeah. Saying he wants to try to get the same actors to portray you know, the same roles across each medium, which sounds great. Mm-hmm. Unless you're a voice actor, that sounds like you're losing jobs. And also let's say Robert Pattinson's your Batman. Does he want to record thousands of lines of dialogue in a booth for the same rate that a voice actor wants to No. Do you want to, are you going to nail him down that long to do something like that for, you know, Arkham city 12 or whatever. No, you're not going to be able to do that. So, I think it's idealistic, but I don't think it's realistic, if that makes sense. Um, maybe for animation, but even then, mm, TV is fine. You know, obviously Peacemaker crossed over, and Marvel does that too, so I think that's realistic. But what do you guys think about that, first of all? I'm curious how they're going to, what games are coming out, or what they have kind of in the pipeline to kind of incorporate. It's like, oh, you're going to have to play this game to kind of understand what this little line of dialogue will come in like the later justice league reference so that's the one i'm more curious about because yeah they can just get get them just like to switch over anywhere even if even for voice acting i'm sure it'll just be like glorified cameos in the in a small role like like the animated show that that he um announced i I had no idea what that's about so it'll probably be just for super small roles if anything like that but the the video games one is like what games because the only one that we know of for sure that has any sort of hype uh, is a Suicide Squad game, but that's already kind of like tanking. They've also announced the Wonder Woman game. Oh, that's right, and that a one too. Ago. So, that's the only two I can think of that are actively in production. Yeah, but yeah, even that Wonder Woman game is like there's like there's no there's there's no date for it yet. It was just like the the tease is like a Wolverine teaser. Yeah. Case, you got anything? Yeah, I mean, it would be great if they're really good it, the challenge is just making if, if there's continuity between them like how reliant can you be on it and then you get into the situation of like well what which actors are actually going to be good voice actors it's what we saw with, with like with what if for example right uh, so I, I i mean like i'm enthusiastic because i think james gunn typically speaking has like a good head on his shoulders in terms of like 
creative decisions and how to like tie it all together. Like Peacemaker, I thought was an incredible spinoff of the Suicide Squad. Like I, in a way, I just never saw coming. Um, and so I think you could combine like if one could do this well, and I would be very happy if it did. But I also have thoughts where I'm like, or is this just going to be Enter the Matrix? Mm. Yeah, I, we'll see. We'll see. I'm curious. I, I honestly if, if, don't, if, don't if, think they're going to stick to it. Very if hard. they can nail it right with like the video games thing again, um, it would be cool to like, like I said, like there's like a, a feature movie referencing like the video game that's like, oh, and so and so happened, and this happened. And you, you're sitting there thinking like, oh shit, I did that. Like I did, I did that shit in the game. Uh, that'd be cool. But then it's like, are these going to be like movie time video games? Like, how are they going to be so different from like what we know has always failed? Yeah. And I mean, the example I, lo- I look at is, and Case might remember this because me and Case are oddly the same person all the time. Um, do you remember the sci-fi show Defiance? I don't. Thank God. Okay, good. I oh was going to be freaked out if you did. It only Wait. went two seasons. It was amazing. It was really, really cool. Um, the cast was amazing, but it was about uh, a post-apocalyptic future of alien based future about the city of St. Louis. And it's kind of like half sci-fi, half cowboy, very post. Um, <laughs> I, w- I will say looking up images, I do recognize. <laughs> so I just, I just, I never watched it though. They, they released a game at the same time as the show and events. They ran side by side in different locations and like they did a story in the show where a bunch of people had this illness and they need a bu- needed a bunch of like, you know, shots of this thing to cure it. And then the game for that week, you're running these like missions to get these to send it to them. And the next episode, they get them. So you feel like you're part of the story, but it really didn't work. And when the show got canceled, that meant the game got canceled, which, you know, I was mm-hmm. kind of like. That's the example I keep thinking about. It's not going to be that tightly touched, obviously, but it's just weird to me. So, um, And check out that show. It's great if anyone hasn't watched it. It's one of my favorite sci-fi shows. Um, the other part he said before official announcements was the true definition now of DC Elseworlds. This is curious to me. I liked it better. I, I like it better this way. Well, let me explain why it's curious to me. Um, he did mention that like Matt Reeves, the Batman, is an Elseworld. Mm-hmm. He mentioned Joker, and he mentioned Teen Titans Go, which is a hilarious three examples. Together, yes, it is. <laughs> um, but he said these are Elseworlds. Elseworlds are me clearly labeled as Elseworlds. They're not a part of the actual continuity. I'm like, cool. Mm-hmm. So that will give them a chance to explore these alternate worlds with a clear label. Spoiler alert, we're going to talk about everything that's been announced, and there were no other, other Elseworld stuff announced. So I'm like, how committed are they to this idea? Or are they just trying to label these things and put them to the side? You know what I mean? Like, you think yeah, like it's all like the stuff one. that's already like underway. And it's, it's like a way of being like, no, 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 the, they, they still count. These matter. These are just fine. Yeah. Like, I guess it could also be it's like, a, no. since like, I think he's making, a, I kind of took it more like, a, these are clearly going to be Elseworld stuff. Cool. You're using like your, your own branding. That's awesome. But we've had this. We already know there's going to be a, a, the Batman 2. But what we want to know, what we've been wanting to know, it's it's what James Gunn is going to like, what his slate is. I think that's why like there was no upcoming lineup projects for and more Elseworlds. Just, like, we well, I mean, know he, what, yeah. he didn't even mention the ones we're aware of, like Joker 2 or the Batman 2 or the Penguin TV show that they're making off of the Batman. Like he, he didn't talk about any of the future ones being tied into Elseworlds. 
I think because, yeah, but it's, it's because you know like, I mean? we know of of them, and he's not involved in those. We want to know what he's right. involved in. Well, no, no, yeah, like that's I mean, the big thing. It's not his projects, like, yeah. or at least it's yeah. not like if he's overseeing like the future of the DCEU, like, and he's saying, oh, we well, we've got a label for the things that are not me, and those are these are they. He, like he doesn't need to like be like yeah. here's what I'm going to tell Matt Reeves to come up with the following things like no that's... no no but the reason I point this out is because Warner has been canceling a lot of stuff lately and I'm just going to throw that out there and let it float in the ether and I think they're going to hyper focus I think some things might get canceled I don't think the Batman 2 is getting canceled I don't think Joker 2 is getting canceled but I don't think they're going to put everything into Elseworlds that we think like I immediately thought give me a Red Sun movie you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. yeah, fuck yeah, let's do that. Or the Freedom Fighters, you know, fighting Nazis. Let's fucking go. Uncle Sam, let's do it. You know, like, I don't know. I just don't think they're going to fully commit to it in the way a lot of people seem to think online is what I'm worried about. I think it's literally it, like, you know, if you have this weird thing you want to do, okay, I guess it's an Elseworlds, you know? Yeah. Although, you know what would, like, fucking print money? <laughs> Speeding <laughs> bullets. Yes. Mm. Just, ugh. The J.M. De Mateus, uh Oh yeah. <laughs> Batman, <laughs> Batman if it was actually Superman. <laughs> yes. Uh, okay, let's talk about the real projects now. <laughs> the ones we already know about. Uh Shazam. Mm-hmm. Uh Shazam 2. Uh, <laughs> Does that even count? It's like coming out in like a few weeks. <laughs> I know. Um But Zachary needs to keep his little mouth shut though. Yeah. I know. I wish he could uh, just shut up and let me watch this movie before I hate him. Literally uh, my favorite comic book character. Like what? Like what are you doing, man? Like I was so excited that we got not one but two movies, kind of three. (laughs) And (laughs) what are you doing? Just shut the fuck up. (laughs) So my pitch for Shazam two is he dies and Mary Marvel becomes the lead, and I sit there happily watching her do everything. Super okay with that. Uh, the Flash does not need to happen, in my opinion, but apparently they think it does. Um, gonna, <laughs> you just missed it. He ran by so fast. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's going to reset the universe, and I'm sure he's going to, you know, be Thanos snapped away and replaced by Grant Gustin, which is great. I'm happy yeah. with that. <laughs> so, uh, Blue Beetle. I'm excited about Blue mm-hmm. Beetle. I like Jaime. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of my, you know, low-key, a really top-tier DC character for me. Uh, I've always been a Blue Beetle fan, even Ted Corden stuff, so... Uh, that's going to be kind of its own thing, from what he said. Not really tie into everything else really closely. And then Aquaman 2. I fucking loved Aquaman. So I'm so hyped for this movie. It's going to be really good. I think it's interesting because it's after the reset. It's still going to be Jason Momoa, but we know that Jason Momoa has been offered a different role. So it, Oh, that's, that's that was real? Well, it's rumors. Okay. But it's but it's rumors that are everywhere. So, um, well, in it, Lobo could walk up, and Jason Momoa as Aquaman could be talking to Jason Momoa as Lobo, and there's just like digital effects going on right there, and it'd be like, "Damn, you really do look like me." Yeah, brother, far out. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. Who? Yeah. <laughs> so those are the ones that are already, and they were already planned out, obviously. So, uh, so that takes us to the new announcements. Uh, so the first chapter, their first phase, if you will, is called Gods and Monsters, and we'll start with an the most random thing I could think of and the most James Gunn move I could possibly think of an animated series called creature commandos. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, remember when they announced guardians of the galaxy and everybody's like, that's never going to work. <laughs> Here we are. <laughs> so I think that's cool. Uh, I like weasel uh, a lot. Frankenstein. The artwork looks pretty cool. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, you guys have any strong opinions on this? I, I know very none of this, so I'll, I'll just wait till it comes out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this is a, it's a corner I don't have a lot to really say about of the DCU, but like James Gunn is really uh, like I could see this being in the same ballpark of, I mean, the Suicide Squad and Peacemaker, where it's like, oh, let's take a bunch of really random characters and have like a ton of fun with it. So from what I know of the characters and I know of James Gunn's style, I wouldn't be shocked if this comes off as very much like Invincible, the show. Like, I bet it feels like Invincible personally. Yeah. Just throwing that out there. So, well, the, and the art looks like it. So, yeah. yeah. Next up is probably, in my opinion, the the least exciting announcement, yeah. which is the the TV show for Amanda Waller um, with Viola Davis. Um, I, I'm not a Suicide Squad fan, so there's that. Not even the new one. I didn't really like it very much. And also, I don't... It's not Viola Davis because I actually love her as an actress. I just don't like her as Amanda Waller because if you're a comic book fan... You know, Amanda Waller had a very unique look that made her one of the coolest, like, characters. She was called The Wall. You know, she was fucking huge. She was like the kingpin. And that was cool and made her unique. And then they just didn't. And now the comic one looks different now. And it's just like, I that's always stuck in my craw that I was like, no, we can't just have a big badass black woman. We got to... You to know. be fair, though, it's not the worst casting that we've seen in a live action Amanda Waller. Uh, <laughs> this is as true. much as I love Angela Bassett, like she was not meant to be playing that part. Yes. So eh, anyone passionate about Waller at all? <laughs> I mean, as I've said, I I was a big fan of both Peacemaker and, and the Suicide Squad. So like I am excited to see that. I, I generally think that fr- from the standpoint of being a Hollywood casting for the part of Amanda Waller, that I think Viola Davis is a pretty good choice. Uh, so I'm like, I'm interested to see because I think that that corner of the DCEU has been fun for James Gunn to play around in. Yeah, and like, Waller is a great character to just like open the doors for like a lot of fucking characters. But it's just like the thing about her character is that she works for me in the, in the way where it's like she doesn't work. I fucking hate her as a character. She's so unlikable, but I get that's who she is. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. All right, now we're getting to what James Gunn called the true beginning of the DCU. A young Superman movie called Superman Legacy with a release date of July 11th, 2025. Fuck yeah. I I was immediately like, what's his inspiration? Tell me, James. (laughs) Show me a comic book. Um, I believe... uh, which, Which book did he show the cover of? It wasn't whatever happened to the Man of Tomorrow. What was what it? Was All Star? Yeah, All Star Superman. He showed the cover of All Star Superman during the announcement. That's an interesting choice. Um, I like this. It's a new start. From what he said, it doesn't match Henry Cavill at all. So we're definitely probably not getting Henry Cavill back. Um, I think we'll get an unknown or like a little known actor. Um, yeah. And I think that's really cool. I think we're going back to basics. You know what I mean? And I think. I think it's smart to start smaller with these big characters and build up because I think that was the big mistake in the last DC run was they got too big too quick. You know what I mean? Like everything was earth shattering. Whereas like Marvel started off with kind of like, Oh, Iron Man, you know, has a dispute with a business rival and, you know, Thor, it's mostly a problem with Asgard and New Mexico, you know, like it it was, like Man of Steel, and I've made my thoughts very clear. We got Man of Steel, Batman vs. Superman, and Justice League. And it was just like, oh, everything that all these characters and just too much. And 
you don't know who these people are yet, but don't worry about it. <laughs> you know, like, and it's just like, I think taking it slow is a good idea. Superman legacy. The choice of the word legacy is interesting to me. Um, I, as someone who reads too much into things, is it? I think it's going to lean heavily into the two par- two sets of parents thing. Yeah, I mean, it certainly alludes to like a Kryptonian thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we'll get we'll get holographic <laughs> Jor El, you know, and then like my dad tells me this, but my other dad tells me this kind of thing. So. Yeah, unless they want to get really meta, and I wouldn't actually put it past them to do something where Superman is in some way aware of the continuity reset, uh, a la like the Alan Moore Supreme, but specifically like then how like Rebirth era kind of treated it. But if they did it instead of it being like the old Superman's coming back, it's the new Superman, and then you could actually have a Cavill cameo uh, as like reality is rewritten so that he's not part of it anymore. Gotcha. Yeah. And then maybe the new Superman, aware that there was previously a Superman of this reality, is living up to the legacy, but no one realizes it because everyone just remembers him. Yeah. The one but thing that's I'll too say- big of an idea. But <laughs> The one thing I'll say is James Gunn's writing this one, and uh, this is the most excited I've been about a Superman movie in a very long time. Yeah. <laughs> I think I know what the post credit scene will be. We'll talk about that in a moment. Next up lanterns a green lantern show focused on john stewart and hal jordan so you're 50 percent on that choice uh <laughs> there'll be other lanterns peppered in um it'll be terrestrial based and similar to true detective with a yeah. terrifying mystery um i i love john stewart hal jordan is a cup of white milk as far as i care like he's nothing <laughs> he's just he's better than kyle is my opinion of hal jordan um <laughs> really oh wow <laughs> kyle's the worst man he has nothing he's wrong like, but okay <laughs> kyle's supposed to be an artist he's supposed to be creative and all of his like constructs are like a big punching bag <laughs> i'm like dude what the fuck but anyways that's only like, because that like they, they've had <laughs> that's because the green lantern franchise was stewarded by jeff johns for so long this is true guy gardner for life anyways so, <laughs> i love guy gross Gardner. gross <laughs> um i think it's cool i think calling it true detective like is a terrible decision don't compare it to one of the best tv shows of all time yeah it's a hell of a comparison well, and also simultaneously one of the worst season two <laughs> true but like like you're setting yourself up to fail, man. Like it's just like, oh, it's just like Breaking Bad. What? Why would you do that? Like, I don't know. I, I mean, I get cool. the pitch, and also because like the so their space cops as the shorthand explanation for Green Lantern has been like such the in vogue way of describing it ever since Green Lantern Rebirth, as opposed to DC Rebirth. Right. Um, but the thing is, we as a society are much more prone to say things like a cab or defund the police. And you need to yeah. find some way to make it not be like, Oh yeah. <laughs> like, like how, how do we have this whole situation where we have a bunch of fucking cops as our fucking heroes and like, like, and make them interesting Well, you make them plain clothes and you may, or, or, you know, that's like the way with movie like shorthand and you have them investigating something that's truly terrible. And they're not just like, enforcement they're detectives like that's like those are the heroes that we actually want to like in police media um and it's the balance that they have to strike for all of these kind of things nice ironically this will not be the last time we talk about dc's use of copaganda in this episode (laughs) that will come up later again uh renee montoya anyway so um (laughs) next up a big surprise but a very welcome one and i know at least one of my co-hosts is happy and i'm pretty sure the other one is the authority. Ooh. Uh, Josue, I know that was one of your predictions. 
Or, yeah, I mean, it's, I was specifically for one right? character, I forgot to go bigger. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love this idea. I'm a big Wildstorm fan. I made that very clear of the image. The seven original image-like companies, Wildstorm was my favorite. Uh, he's not my favorite creator of the group. That would probably be Wills Patricio, probably. Um, but yeah, I love the authority. This is a great idea. And Apollo and Midnight are great. And this is going to be so good. And people are going to be so pissed. I'm so excited. <laughs> We're going to get an authority movie before a Justice League <laughs> Like, I love it so much. Uh, yeah, like, wh- what is going on with this world? <laughs> How did we get here? What do you, what do you think, Chick? Case? I mean, uh, like, like, likewise, I, I, I love the authority as a base concept. I agree that in terms of like, which of the founders of of image had their shit together. Wildstorm mostly aping Marvel pretty heavily, but doing so in a, a fairly cool and creative way. Um, I think nailed it the best elephant in the room in terms of who created the authority mm-hmm. and that sort of era of, of Wildstorm. Like, yeah. uh, like, I, it's it's really complicated in terms of, of talking about that specific era because Warren Ellis is such a huge part of it all. And right. like I like I've had to cover a lot of the like that stuff from Wildstorm on my Superman analog videos because he made so many Superman analogs in that period yeah. that were like formative to me having conversations about the Superman archetype. And so it's like hard not to like bring up like the high and and, like and Apollo and I mean you know Mr. Majestic isn't really part of that whole conversation even though he's like part of that world um so it's <laughs> like it there's really creative stuff going on the thing that worries me is that what i've seen discussing it like the authority in this context is being like oh well it's gonna be like <laughs> darker and i'm like the authority isn't necessarily dark the authority no. is like or at least like as it was originally conceived like extremely over the top like huge blockbuster action to the point where like everything was drawn in like widescreen panel format and it was like one of the first pages to do like all black bleeds uh rather than white bleeds on the page right so you know like i think it could look amazing the original book was basically designed to be like what would a justice league super like movie look like if they actually like put up put money into it and yeah it would be fantastic. And I love the idea of like superheroes are just like, we've got power and the world is fucking sucks. Why don't we do something about it? And that's really interesting coming out, like kind of almost like fresh off of after Superman, this new sense of hope. But then you have like this group of authority that just like, well, we need to step up. Right. Well, and, but also then that's the thing, which is that that is the authority as it was conceived. And then the authority as it is more modernly understood is very different because we then get to Superman and the authority going into the world world saga. And that's its own kind of dynamic. So I'm very curious what the roster is going to be. I'm very curious on the designs of things. I really hope that they get Henry Cavill to be Apollo and Ben Affleck to be bat or to be Midnighter. Oh, I hope that oh. they kiss. <laughs> that's the thing, like they, that they, would piss so many people off. Oh my I God. Need be, I need to make, I need this shit to be like gay as fuck. Yeah. Uh, just to shut down all the fucking comics gate that are going to come out of the woodworks. Just, to, just for in defense for Warren. You said the C. I mean, it'd be it would be amazing, uh, and, and like you could do some really cool stuff with it. Like I, I'm worried that when they say they're doing the Authority, it's going to end up being a war world war world movie, um, which is not to say it's bad or like would be bad. It's just it becomes Superman's team as opposed to a thing that is a response to other superhero stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 because it's so early in the the universe i think i'm optimistic i think they'll do something interesting with it world seems like it'd be too early to jump to something like that i guess 
Well, but is it like the the first the know. first arc of the authority is about a super terrorist breeding clones of superhumans and, and carving the, their mark across the planet. The second arc, they invade the the authority invades another reality and destroys Italy as a way of saying stop fucking with us. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> In the third arc, they kill God. <laughs> True. Uh, Sorry, spoiler. <laughs> to, to be clear, I don't want to see the DCEU. That's it. If they murder God in in the Authority, I yes, I don't know what to tell you, but like all the money, I <laughs> like. And I was. I want to be clear. That's I'm, why they say gods and monsters. They kill God. <laughs> yes, God is monster. God is a monster. <laughs> It's it's all yeah anti Christian propaganda. <laughs> I love it. Um, and to be fair, I just want to be, when I when I talk about Wildstorm. To be honest, I realized this. I was thinking. I was like, when I think Wildstorm, I think Wildcats and Gen Thirteen and like Welcome to Tranquility. I don't even think the Authority really know that I think about it. So that's interesting. So give me a Gen Thirteen show. I'll watch the fuck out of. Oh that. my god! Yeah. <laughs> like, oh god! Like that. They, with modern I mean, sensibilities. You know what I mean? Like. Yeah, like they're they're sitting on like what would be a great property in that regard, but they also have Teen Titans, so that's sort of the like Gen thirteen being like oh archetypal teen team, but but it also had Caitlin Fairchild, who would be like kind of forgotten about, which is like surprising considering how everywhere she was in the nineties. She's currently in Wildcats. I just in, mean like in, in terms comics. of like oh, yeah. who's, who's well, talking saying, about just technically she's still around, but yeah, I get what you're saying. Yeah, Dude, they have this deal with the CW and they're canceling all the CW shows. Give me a Gen 13 CW show. That would be delicious garbage. I would love that. <laughs> so, um, okay, next up, a prequel show, Paradise Lost, which Fuck was yes. for the origin of Wonder Woman's home, Themyscira. <laughs> Fuck yes, Paradise Island. Just call it Themyscira. Um, they were called it Game of Thrones with Westeros, but the inhabitants of Paradise Island. I hate that. Don't say that. Stop comparing yourself to things. <laughs> Seriously, it's not. <laughs> um, honestly, I just hope it's Wonder Woman Historia, the, the TV show. <laughs> like, that's all oh, I that'd, be, that'd be a fucking insane. I would love that to actually be like the base premises to actually like, you know what? Let's make this shit yeah. the real origins, canon origins for Wonder Woman. And how she got molded into being, oh, please make that shit happen. I would, oh, please. Yeah. You know what would actually be really interesting is if this is Hercules coming from the perspective of the Amazons. Like, they've done that story a bunch of times mm. in the comics. And it would be a good way to have it not just, I mean, <laughs> like, I re- like not to make I, it about a guy, but. Well, not to, I'm, tr- and I'm not trying to make it about a guy. Yeah, no, I got like, what you're saying. I'm yeah. saying, like, have him be the villain and actually have males as the villain in the scenario, I think would be really, she comes into plan in Historia. <laughs> yeah. Well, but yes, but, but like, that's a story that's also really easy to explain to people mm-hmm. because like the reason anyone knows who Hippolyta is outside of wonder woman fans is because she figures prominently in the myth of Hercules. Exactly. So like have it be reversed, have it be kind of Xena ish. And I think you could really sell it to people. Yeah. I think, I think this is, low-key a really promising thing the only thing i'm at all questionable about it is it's a tv show uh, instead of a movie but we're talking warner who makes what made westworld game of thrones they can do these big big high dollar action dramas so maybe it'll be really cool i hope so i hope they commit if they commit to it this will be great and it's, and it's like, and, and please like explore, explore the island, like use the mythos, like, like, like talk about like the well of souls, like the, the door that Nubia has to fucking guard, like down there, like, yeah. please like fucking go at it. Yeah. 
All right, moving on, because we got some more to talk about. Batman introduction, The Brave and the Bold, <laughs> which will be based on Grant Morrison's Batman run and will include Damien motherfucking Wayne. I'm so fucking excited about this because Damien is my favorite Robin. He's not my favorite person who was a Robin, but he's my favorite Robin. That's what James Gunn said. (laughs) Yeah. uh, My first favorite person who was a Robin was Jason Todd, if you haven't ever been paying attention. So, um, so, uh, I like that it's based on the Grant Morrison run. I saw a couple of people with really hot takes being like, oh, they're going to assassinate Talia's character like they did in that run. No, they're not. They've retconned that since. Why would they go back on that for the movie? That's stupid. Which, in case anyone's wondering, it, it implied that Talia had non-consensual sex with Batman against his will to make Damien, which was then retconned because it was fucking stupid. So I think this is really cool. Conan the Brave and the Bold is interesting because that's usually like a team up of two heroes, not Mm -hmm. a sidekick and a hero. Interesting. Um, Will it actually be Green Arrow and Batman and they just haven't told us because they're messing with us? Fingers crossed. (laughs) Um, And then also... The line he put, this is the story of the two of them and the beginning of a sort of the Bat family in the DCU. Thank fucking God. Yeah. Because Bruce is the worst part of his own family. (laughs) So I'm very excited about that. Uh, Hopefully we'll get a lot more of that. Any other opinions you want to throw out? I mean, starting out, like, well, first of all, I like that he was called out like from so long ago. Um, he he had tweeted a picture of like, oh, these were just on my on my on my table. I just happened to be reading them, and it's like specifically the Grant Morrison omnibuses. Um, so everybody called it out, but I like that we're going with Damien. So it's like all the other Robins have are already established somewhere. They'll be showing up, or are we just starting with Damien. You know, that'd what I mean? be. Mm, we'll see. So on that part, did did he say that? He didn't say, did he explicitly say Damien will be Robin? Mm-hmm. Or did he say it will feature Damien, who is my favorite Robin? Maybe it'll be like Tim, and it's the story of Damien like, coming up, like uh, uh, appearing, essentially, before he became Robin. Yeah, or Dick. Maybe. Yeah, something like that, you know. They'll condense things. They can always do Jason Todd as a, like, as a like future story and they're like who's jason todd oh he was my robin that i haven't talked about before they can always retcon him in you know what i mean so Mm -hmm. i'm excited about it case you want to throw anything out about this one i mean i do really love the the morrison era i like one one of my favorite like modern in quotes like batman runs was having dick grayson as batman with damien as robin like i think that was like as much as i love dick as as nightwing that that actually hit the exact like vibe that I wanted with like a Batman that had like all this continuity. Um, and, and it kind of made me realize like, Oh, this is what I really missed by all the, all the efforts to like kind of strip Batman from or Robin from Batman, I should say um, in all this media. So I'm really happy to have Robin. I, I think that Damien would be really interesting. I also could see it as the story is about Damien as a baby. And then like, also like you have Dick as Robin or something like that. So you can sort of establish that whole period. Uh, Cause the only problem with, with Damien is that like you, the age means that like Batman can't be a younger Batman. And so you mm-hmm. have to like figure out like, well, wh- what is the era for this all? May, you know, it could be a scenario of like Batman and Dick as Robin and then like Batman, but it's like an older Dick. Um, yeah. And like 
Damien's getting old enough and like maybe he gets injured and that's how you get like a handoff kind of situation to a younger actor. sped aged in a tube or something like that. I'm pretty sure. Well, but that's to make it fucking work. I know, <laughs> like, but, but I mean, technically, uh, Oh, I've only been Batman for 10 years. Somehow I've, uh, I've had four sidekicks in the, that period. Yes. Terrible. Child services have come Terrible after turnover. me. <laughs> You're a bad mentor. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm excited about it. I think Damien's great. And last thing I'll say about it is uh, Damien is half Middle Eastern. Stop casting white kids as Damien. Yeah. The internet is so fucking stupid. That kid from Umbrella Academy is white. <laughs> like, stop. You got Taylor Lautner this shit again. <laughs> also, frankly, anyone you can think of right now is probably too old for the part that they're doing. Exactly. By the time we get to that, you know, like, yeah. Anyways, moving on. Oh, here's one I love. HBO Max series titled Booster Gold. Love. Fuck yeah. <laughs> I mean, do we even need to talk about it? Booster Gold is one of the best characters ever. <laughs> like, I mean, that's going to be so fucking it's fun. Gonna, it's going to be I, great. I, I mean, I, it, you could do so many things with it. You can set it in the present day and have it be like an entourage type situation or just like <laughs> some sort of fame whore kind of situation. You can have it be time travel cop stuff. Like, you can do all. Or, all kinds of stuff that would be fantastic. Um, and like, if it's, if this era of the DCEU has anything going on with like flashpoint, you can easily tie in story arcs like through it, like from that, like as you know, cause I would, I would love a ripple effect that is constantly changing shit and constantly causing like the multiverse to sort of sprint splinter and, and all that. And booster gold could be a great way for us to navigate it all and actually figure out what is going on. If they make an entourage style show, that will be my favorite show ever. And already in my head, like Booster obviously is the main character, right? The uh, the hot like young idiot, basically. Yeah. <laughs> and then, of course, Ted Cord would be the E. You know, his best friend M- Meek. But actually, everybody loves him a little bit more because he's actually a good person. You gotta have Rocket Red as Johnny Drama because he's absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> and then Guy Gardner as Turtle. Like that's the perfect I would watch the fuck out of that. <laughs> like, are you kidding I me? see your Guy Gardner as Turtle and I raise you a Gnort. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> we love some Gnort. Oh, that'd be great. Anyways, why'd you put that in my head? Every it's gonna be a disappointment now, Chase. <laughs> Next up. Well, oh. if they don't do that for Booster Gold, they can always do it for Blue Devil. <laughs> God. I'm going to want it one way or the other. Um, okay. This one low key, probably my, the thing I'm most excited about, depending on the execution, Supergirl woman of tomorrow being adapted, adapted into a movie. That was insane. That was a hell of a shout out. I, I not on my bingo card. And like, I'm no. so happy, but it was not on my bingo card. <laughs> uh, one of my favorite DC books ever. I loved it. I, I've read it two or three times. Hopefully they put out a hardcover now. I saw someone tweet like I want that as a hardcover. It's gorgeous. It's beautiful. It's sad. It's funny. It's just so fucking good. And as long as they don't fuck it up because they could fuck this up so easily. And it genuinely worries me. <laughs> like, But um, yeah, I love it so much. And then yeah, I was... Oh, God. I was going to say, I was genuinely surprised that they chose this specific, like, not even just like, oh, and we're going to bring in uh, Supergirl, but it's like, no, we're going to directly adapt a, one of the most modern, like, one of the most newest comic books that's come out 
and run with that as the basis for the for the character for for the movies. That was really cool. I, I especially like how I haven't read it yet, but this space journey is like I, I fucking love yeah. this. It's it's huge. It's weird. Mm-hmm. Like I, I mean it 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 could be the response to a Guardians of the Galaxy type thing. Like it's the tone is very different, but it is the the same kind of big crazy alien stuff, but in a mundane setting. Or like a mundane approach to it all. Like it's a Star Wars. Like it's a yeah. lived-in universe. That would be really fun to to see that all exist in. Like that's really cool. Like I because like if you had told me, oh, they're making a Supergirl movie, I would have guessed it would be something like being super. Like have a story arc where mm-hmm. it's like on Earth and it's you know like look at this teen girl. She's just like every other girl, but mm-hmm. like she's secretly special like and like, like the cw show basically well yeah yeah yes and and like because that show was very popular <laughs> like I, I liked it after the first the first season was bad but after that i loved that show i thought really i really i, I like the first season and I, and I continued to like the show straight through so uh and i realized that there were dips in it but like melissa benoist i thought was amazing so you know 100 yeah um that which makes it me sad because if they're calling it supergirl woman of tomorrow and like kind of the thing was like oh she's about to turn 21 and be like really a woman like going into this like era of her life um you're probably not talking about having anyone come back you're probably talking about casting a younger actor uh to be in that role which kind of sucks because it would have been it because the story has a little bit of a moving from childhood adventures to adult adventures vibe that it would have been a good one for Melissa, but it's now it's probably going to be too far gone for that at that point. Yeah. And is this going to be a movie or a show? Movie. Okay, see that that's fucking awesome. Like a Kryptonian space movie. Like come the fuck on. We haven't we've never had that. Which takes I know. Me back to my statement about Superman Legacy. Credit scene. Clark solves whatever. Credits. Credit scene pops up. It shows the destruction of Krypton, and it shows her city Argo. Right, Argo. Yeah, mm-hmm. Argo launching off of Krypton at the last minute when it's destroyed, because that's basically the. It tells her origin, where Argo is the only part of Krypton that survives and has a bubble around it, is floating through space forever. But that ends very sadly. <laughs> it's not like it's like good job, guys. We lived. It was <laughs> bad. It ended bad, and so that would be a really cool credit scene to lead directly into the next technically super movie. So just throwing that out there. Um. I'm very hyped about this, and this means that Case can do an episode of Men of Steel about the book, and I can actually appear on this one and talk about how amazing it is. Oh, I mean, that's been in conversation for a while. It's just we decided that we were going to do the All-Star Superman and then do a multi-part death and return to Superman (laughs) spectacular. So just just calling dibs. It's on the record. So, Um, (laughs) And the last one, uh, Josue, obviously, will be excited. It's Swamp Thing. Fuck yes, Jesus. Um, this is the other one uh, uh, that I was gonna guess for, but I was like, I was like, you know what? Nah, like we, we just had the, the the fail attempt over when they had like that last project, and I don't think people are gonna be ready for it. And it's like, fuck, James Gunn is like, you you're gonna be ready for fucking this one. Yeah, um, we don't have a lot of the detail. Green, about it. The the yeah. all the darkness and shit that comes with the uh, Swamp Thing after like all of these like super hopeful and like all of, all, of, all of our regular DC heroes to just dive into like the horrorness, like the dark side of DC. Like yes, please. Yeah, not all the details. We just do do know it'll be quote very dark horror story. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I mean honestly, this one's the least surprising to me because Swamp Thing has had like the most commercial success yeah. or or commercial reach, I should say, since like. You know, we had cartoons, we had live action series in the in the 90s. Like we've, you know, we've had the more recent series, which like was a failure, but it was a failure because it was on 
the DC Infinite or probably DC Universe app prior yeah. to mm-hmm. it, it being Infinite. Um, like it was canceled before it even had the chance to be seen by people. True. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, like I like I'm I'm excited because I think it'll it has a lot of potential to be great. Um, it's also just the, like the least surprising that they would try to do with this one. Yeah. All right. That's everything they announced. Uh, I'll wrap up by asking, what did they not announce that you hope they end up announcing soon? Uh, Josue, we'll start with you. Um, well, my, my, my go-to, and, and one where like the Swamp thing, I guess like, yeah, it, it is obvious. He's definitely more well-known uh, for obscure characters that should be propped up more through James Gunn now. I was really hoping for Dead Man. That'd be amazing. Like a show. I think Dead Man. Yeah, anything. Good. I fucking love Dead Man so much. It's like, it's like Quantum Leap. Mm-hmm. Except dead. <laughs> Instead of you're like, yeah, I like that. Case, anything you were looking for? Um, Young Justice season five. <laughs> uh, Didn't they give it the comic book treatment for that one? No, they, that, they are. That, but like, oh, I know. I, I think that was Titans. No, it's Young Justice. No, Young Justice okay. is getting a comic. Like okay, cool. they are, but I, I, you know, I, I really do like the show. And even even when people criticize the more recent seasons, I, I've really liked it. Um, but yeah, or or something with like like I hate to be like Young Justice season five, or also Young Justice like and have like Connor and and Bart and like do yeah. something with that. But uh, those those are co- the corners of the DCU that like I feel. I really love and like Teen Titans becoming popular in the 2000s has kind of made people forget about that little section. Um, and I wish it could come back. So bring, <laughs> bring that shit back. Uh, for myself, I really wanted a Green Arrow announcement. I love oh, Green yeah. Arrow. Um, one of my favorite heroes. Uh, curious lack of Flash. Yeah. Just throwing that out there. That's you could accomplish the... that with an impulse TV show, which I was holding back from saying just now. They're probably so, gonna see how everybody reacts to the movie and then how they're gonna move forward with it. And then one I think would be one hundred percent up James Gun- James Gunn style. It actually might be so on the nose for James Gunn he might decide not to do it. Give me a Legion of Superheroes project with James Gunn attached. Hmm? Let James Gunn write, write Bouncing Boy and Pharaoh Lad and shit like that. You know what I mean? Like, Honestly, I would rather have James Gunn do Legion of Substitute Heroes. <laughs> this is true. I mean, <laughs> like, nice. all of them. Like, <laughs> I don't know. I just, like, because we're, if we're going to introduce the time travel, we got Booster Gold. You're already preaching yeah. that. Yeah, no, I, I would love me some Legion. I do, I do feel like it should, I, 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 I think James Gunn, isn't the voice I want for a team of like as competent a group as all that. Like I would want people like the people that's behind like Star Trek, strange new world doing that's it. That's a really good point. Cause I was thinking of like the goofier ones, but there are like legit awesome characters. Yeah. That's why I'm uh, saying the sub, yeah. the, stu- the substitute heroes, because like it, like James yeah. Gunn having like the, like we're fuck ups and we're like succeeding in the background of like a, a bigger world, I think makes more sense yeah, that makes than sense. the, the Legion. The lead, the Legion should be more impressive than the Justice League, even though they're all fourteen. Yeah. Also, if the uh, if the, he does introduce the Justice League and it's JLI, I will lose my shit and be very happy. Oh yeah. <laughs> if we get Booster Gold and Blue Beetle and and Guy and Fire and Ice and everybody's like, this isn't the Justice League, <laughs> gets upset. I would love it. That would be the best. So it's better. All right, that's all the news I got. So much, but it was a really interesting week of Compact News. Anyone else have any any other news I missed? Anything you thought of while we were talking? Mm-mm. Oh, no. um, 
Hitmonkey was renewed for season two. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> Which uh, I love Hitmonkey. The comic introduction to Hitmonkey is very funny. If you haven't read it, read it. It's really good. So awesome. All right, Case. Well, thank you so much for joining us. We're always yeah. glad having you here. And I had to get your opinion about this stuff. So uh, tell everybody where to find you. Uh, all my stuff is at certainpov.com or at things that are connected to certainpov.com. Uh, so go to certainpov.com where you can find uh, another pass, which is my movie show, Men of Steel, which is the uh, the comic show that I do. And uh, in in our archive section, you can find Scruffy Nerf Herders, which is our Star Wars D&D game that I was the DM for uh, that has been on hiatus since the pandemic. But uh, it's still a lot of fun. You should check it out. The uh, goofy times and apparently Andor has introduced uh things that i had introduced such as a star wars uh brothel uh Amazing. mine was funnier though <laughs> awesome. uh also check out our youtube channel certain pov media where i do the superman analog series and we do clips from all the shows that uh yeah that, that that's all me over there great awesome well thank you so much for joining us and we are going to get into the comics of the week time to talk about some comic books and as always we don't start with a bang we start with a boom boom studios uh we have a couple books this week and i'm going to start with magic the gathering number 23 um nice so very very fun book written by jed mckay and rich duick not the last time we'll be saying rich duick's name or jed mckay's <laughs> name this show hell yeah illustrated by jacques salaman colored by Anna consoni and letter by dukeshire um this is kind of like what's what's been happening with uh you know with 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 the planeswalkers after the whole fight in Ravnica we have this this thing going on with Nahiri uh who we just got the cool one shot for and she's working to take all this magic ice off of this plane that was destroyed all this story that's been building up and it goes back to um back to Zendikar because that's where she's from and she wanted to save Zendikar but in the end Nisa Ravine prevented her from doing so and did it her own way. And she's always kind of held that against them. Well, now she's like, I will do it this way. I will do it my way. She found a way to capture pretty much all the other planeswalkers. Um, Zarek, Raul Zarek is working with her because she's holding his uh, husband hostage. Uh, so it's just been a really cool buildup and everything. And then there's just like a really fucked up moment. Uh, where she turns her back on him and kills Rawls Eric. She stabs him and says, just know that your husband is safe, basically, and then lets him die. And it's like, fuck, what the fuck, you know? And the beginning part of the book, I think you would really like, because it's like a flashback to early Planeswalker days, like when, basically when they introduced the Planeswalkers, where uh, Ravnica is being attacked by the big undead army. That's when Liliana was a bad guy. And she was, I think she was working with, was it Tezzeret or Nicobolus? And um, her and Gideon had that whole, he's good, but she's evil, but they love each other thing, which was really cool. You're muted, by the way. Uh, and so... Um, that part's so sick when it happened in the, in the, in the games, but that's a, there's a shot in the trailer with... Um, mm-hmm. The really sweet shot where it does like the the in the end cover from Nickel from Nickelback fucking Linkin Park and she she witnesses Gideon's fall in that moment it's it's fucking crazy. That's what the the first half of this book is is small. So and her being like nope fuck that I'm switching sides. So yeah I need you really to watch cool. this trailer after this it's so fucking good. Yeah really good I really like it. There's two more parts to the story so I'm, I want to see where we're gonna go. 
but yeah, uh, first Nisa mentioned in a while. We don't really see Nisa Ravine come up a lot in the books. Okay. So that was really cool. It's still a lot of Garrick and Chandra um, mm-hmm. and Jace. So, yeah. Next up, the approach number four. <laughs> this book is getting crazy. Um, so written by Jeremy Hahn and Jason Hurley, illustrated by Jesus Hervas and Leia Caballero, colored by Brett Wadley and lettered by Ed Dukeshire. So this is the one they're stranded in the airport during the snowstorm. There's a crazy monster out there killing people. They come up with this plan that they're going to blow up the entire terminal and get out, essentially, to kill this monster. We found out in the last issue this monster is related to one of the people that are there in a way, this old lady who is in the basement walking around naked, chanting what seems to be very much elder god type things. Um, and is, yeah, she's helping this thing get power more powerful and stuff. We don't know why yet. Um, long story short, they're able to uh, set the bombs and stuff, but they find her down in the basement. And they're like, shit, we need to blow this place up. So they set a bomb in the basement with it. And one of them has to stay behind. You know, that old cliche that I love. Mm-hmm. One of, we can't remote or detonate the bomb remotely. I got to stay behind kind of thing. But they end up doing so. And they blow it up. And it's like, oh, thank God, you know. And then the main cop dude, he's like coming out of the fire. And she's like, she's like Mac, you're okay. And then that oh. happens. <laughs> and then the last page is this. Oh, shit. That's cool. Yeah, so this is so cool. It's building so well. If you guys like a good monster horror, this is a great book. Mm. Next up, uh, the boom book that we share this week, Briar, number three. Written by Christopher Cantwell, illustrated by Herman Garcia, colored by Matthias Lopes, and lettered by Anne World Design. I really liked this issue. I like that she's got her little crew now, you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, We kind of talked about that, like she's slowly recruiting the crew. And I like how she's kind of insufferable. Even though she's the hero and the main character, she's kind of awful. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I think I she's like, like <laughs> she just is disillusioned with like the world she thought she knew. Yeah, exactly. Um, the highlight of the book for me is when she punted the shit out of the gnome. <laughs> <laughs> that was so fucking funny. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, shit gets serious at the end. Uh, I, I really like this issue. We're starting to see each person's kind of like personal like backgrounds and their personal abilities and what they contribute to the group. And that allows us to start building these personal connections between them as well. So I really liked it. I thought it was pretty cool. What'd you think? Um, and I, I definitely enjoyed this issue. Um, it definitely made me laugh, not even just for like the punting part, but like when they first get to like the castle and they're like this, there's like this whole like Monty Python scene that happens. And I thought oh, that 100%. was <laughs> so fucking funny. Um, and then when she first meet, when, the, when she first gets to the nose and she's like, like the, the one of those times where, like I said, she gets this illusion with like with, with this world is that she's remembering, like, oh, like gnomes used to be the, these cutesy little things, and then they're just like horrible. He's like a fucking course is what gnomes are like now. <laughs> she just almost like yeah, almost like would rather just like go back to her slumber. <laughs> yeah, it's great. It's like if all gnomes were Cartman. <laughs> yeah, basically. Uh, but yeah, but then but then they get there. It's like when the dude shows up and he starts like split splitting all of them. Oh, I did not realize the turn was gonna crank to fucking eleven like that. Yeah, it was really, really cool. So awesome. Loving that book. Next up, we're going to talk about Dark Horse Comics. And I got two Dark Horse books. I got Minor Threats number four, the finale. Oh. And I picked up a variant with a gold Ooh. Uh, logo. Nice. So, yeah. 
uh, written by Pat Oswalt and Jordan Blum, art by Scott Hepburn, colors by Ian Herring, and letters by Nate Picos of Blambot. So, how do I talk about it without spoiling it? It's hard. It's hard to talk about it without spoiling it. It's very good. This was a great four-issue run, and I highly recommend it to anybody who likes the deconstructive of, of like, superhero supervillain like relations especially within a certain city like it, it's just really cool i love 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 the main character mm-hmm. and she she steals the show the entire series is what i'll say i love her and the ending is so good but it's so unexpected it would be a massive spoiler to tell anybody anything um but i loved it i love the way it ended not everybody makes it out i'll tell you that there's several deaths and it, there's a traitor and there's all kinds of stuff. It's really well done. Highly recommend. It's only four issues. So this will be a smaller trade, probably like a nine to $15 trade. Pick it up. It's totally worth it. I think you guys will really enjoy it. So nice. Next up quick stops. Number four. Not sure if this is the last one. We'll see. Hmm. Uh, I don't think they had a preview on the back of a new one. Uh, but quick stops. It is the one where Kevin Smith is filling in the blanks of some of his stories. And I really, really like it. <laughs> it's funny. Um, this one is, of course, written by Kevin Smith. Line arts by Ahmed Rafat and letter by Andrew Thomas. So so the guy who plays Dante, right? Yeah. Um, he is in most Kevin Smith movies. <laughs> yeah. And he always plays different characters. I mean, he plays Dante, but he plays other characters. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and you might have noticed that his name is Brian O'Halloran, in case anyone's wrong. I'll just call him Brian. You might notice every one of his characters has the last name of Hicks. Yep. And they all look identical. Well, the joke is that they're all cousins. Right, right, right. They're identical <laughs> cousins. This is a family reunion, a Hicks family reunion. Oh, no way. I fucking love that. <laughs> and it's not only a family reunion, but Randall also tags along to meet all the cousins. And it's his second date with Veronica from Clerks. So Ooh. literally he takes her to a family reunion for their second date. Oh, my God. And so he gets to meet them all, including um, Grant, uh, which is the news reporter, I want to say. The Grant okay. Hicks, yeah. Uh, Gil Hicks, which is the one from Mallrats, that was the, worst. the dating show. Yes, uh, he was the, the. There's the one that on Chasing Amy that worked with. Was it Matt Damon? Was he Matt Damon's assistant in that or something like that? Was he? Uh, oh, probably. He was like an executive producer or something like that. Yeah. So they're all there and they're awful and it's fucking great. <laughs> like it's so good, and you find out that Dante is like the least successful of all of them, and the one they all pick on. And, oh. Randall has no patience for that. And then Randall fucks one of their wives. and It's great. <laughs> so, <laughs> I loved it. It's, it might be my favorite quick stop so far. I really enjoyed That's it. It's very funny. So, all right. Well, this is an abrupt change. Uh, let's go on to a blaze. <laughs> oh, <laughs> like, yes. Let's talk about children of the black sun. Number two, uh, written by Dario Siccio art by Letizia Caranici, colors by Francesco Sagala and letter by Eggini. Um, I thought this was the House of Slaughter book. <laughs> like, it's straight up. The oh, that, I love that homage cover. That is so yeah. good. Yeah, I was like, oh, House of Slaughter. Oh, wait, nope, nope. <laughs> I misread that. So, <laughs> um, this is really cool. I think one of the things I liked about this most is the random 12 panel pages with experts talking about <laughs> yes, stuff. Yes, about the theories. Yeah. 
and clearly talking out of their ass half the time. I really enjoyed that quite a bit. But there's also a lot of really dark uh, progression in this story. Mm-hmm. And it's fucked up. And it was really interesting. And it jumps around a lot. There's a lot of characters. Um, but I think it does a really good job of keeping it concise. And absolutely gross and terrifying in the best way. So I'm really liking this book. It's a really, really good book. What do you think? Um, it, it's a it's a book that I immediately reread as soon as I was done. Just because it has that effect. Like when you find out, it's like... When you, f- you find out what they can kind of do or at least like a sense of influence. I don't want to completely say this particular power just yet. until it plays out, but I immediately went back to like the beginning, started over, like I said, so because in the beginning, in the beginning, there's these two sequences that are just like very weird. And the first part is like, have these people at the very least, one of them have, are they, have they been locked in this trance already? Like you don't just punish your kid like that. That's fucked up. And just also so many levels of wrong. Um, so it's like, have they already been a part of a, uh, of a trance? And because oh, we find out like the, the, the whole dad thing, like like one of these girls, one of these kids that are children of the Black Sun, um, at least has a heart. At least like they want to do something good with, with it. And it's just like, do they are they always meant to go wrong? Um, is someone else kind of like throwing in like an extra little influence, which is why you get that smirk at, like for like the last panel. Um, it's so fucking interesting, so dark, but I really, really love it. I can't wait to just like, oh, I can just like, just like to read it all collectively all over. Cause I really, I, I love rereading it again. Just like after like the shit that you find out. Yeah. It's really interesting. And it, it is definitely a host way book. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. All right. Now we're moving on to another publisher and the long awaited reunion. Let's talk about IDW publishing. Yes. Um, for those who don't know, this creative team is just put some of the best books out. Mm-hmm. If you like a creepy ass book, it's hard to do worse. Um, or it's hard to do better. Yeah. Sorry. I did that backwards. <laughs> um, the creators of road of bones and sea of sorrows. Yes. Breath of shadows <laughs> written by rich Duick, art by Alex Cormack letter by Justin Birch. Um, this is already my favorite of the three. <laughs> like I, oh, I like really? the, nice. I like the other two, but I like the I like the musical group like setup. I like that as as a setup, um, as far as like a, a premise, I guess you would say. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of little things about this. There's a lot of characters that I'm already really like clicking with really well. Whereas I think the thing with Sea of Sorrows is like I didn't really click with too many of the characters. Oh no! They were, they were all meant to be uh, insufferable. Like, they were all bad people. Yeah, this I'm kind of like, okay, I get this, I get this. Like the girl, and I'm like, okay, we're both girls, I should say. And then there's just the creepiest fucking art every once in a while, just the creepiest shit you've ever seen in your life every once in a while, and it's so good. And I really, really like the story already. I, I just, it's gonna be insane. And it, if with the setup of what they're doing. God only knows what's going to happen. <laughs> like, it's just so good. I really thoroughly fucking enjoyed this book. It's only issue one, but I cannot wait to see what happens beyond here. I got the cover A in case you're wondering. So. Oh, yeah, no, for sure. Yeah. Uh, what did you think? Well, I, I, I'm going to have to, like, really decide. I'm going to reread all three of them, um, have, like, my own, like, horror Cornetto trilogy uh, once this one's done. Because, <laughs> <laughs> like, it really is almost like I love, I love how it falls that way. Um, 
we have like our, our complete whiteout with uh, Rudder Bones and a complete abyss of uh, uh, Sea of Sorrows. And now the colorful aspect that we're going to dive into, Breath of Shadows. This is awesome. I, I, I love like when the horror comes in, it's very much Alex Cormack just like unleashing all of his fucking talent. Um, and then with the writing, I oh, God, Rich, my fucking man. Um, I already love it. I love that it's like the the struggling musician that's like in the rut. So he's going to go experiment anywhere else that isn't part of his culture to have, find this new awakening. And I love that it gets called out for it or that it gets called out because it's happened 100%. before <laughs> so many times. <laughs> I love that. It's like, oh, cool. I love that we're going back into this. And it's just like, God, what a piece of shit, too. Because, I mean, obviously, he's, he's so shitty. Um, no, no sense of wanting to, to get better. Uh, but yeah, I'm so excited to see like how no one's going to come out in the end. <laughs> I already fucking know it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So good. I, I got to point out real quick, funny, fun fact about me, uh, the Cornetto trilogy reference you made. Oh yeah. I never hear that correctly. And I always think you say Toretto. And when anybody says it, they, I hear Toretto trilogy, oh. which is the last name of Vin Diesel from Fast and the yeah. Furious. And I'm always like, what does this have to do with Fast and the Furious? And I'm like, oh, wait, no. <laughs> like, I, have to, I have to take a moment. But every time someone says Tor- or Cornetto, I'm like, Fast and the Furious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Okay. Next up, I'm very excited for Josue to talk about a book I've read in the past, but he was able to pick up this week. And all of you should pick up because it's made by one of our favorite people on the planet. We're talking about Vault Comics, and we're talking about the book Bonding. Josue, run down the creative team and tell me all about it. Yes, so I picked up Bonding, a love story about people and their parasites. Words by Matthew Ehrman, art by Emily Pearson, colors by Kaylee Davis, and letters by Anne World's Justin Birch. It was very, very sweet. Um, yeah, because I didn't, I didn't completely read it before, so I didn't know that there was like a part two, like a book two to it, like almost like it's uh, in its own sequel. Um, in a very way, where it was like a movie I really fucking love, like a place beyond the pines, where it's still a part two, but it's very much attached to what came before, or like the before sets up like this second arc of a full story. Um, it's really fucking nice. Like it's just, it's, it's really cute. I always see like vault does does this very well where we have this premise but then like it's not going to be anything you're gonna like think it's gonna be about going in um like i love that just uh, ripping off the band-aid like it's never we don't dive into like the whole point of or the 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 full extent of the point of the slugs the parasites that are that are uh, that are and on everybody's chest and they all needed to survive it's actually really cool because it'll tell you like when you're gonna get sick but it's also part of you um, it's never about like they address like the wars or like there are certain laws that you, you, basically you can't talk shit about the about the slug. You can't say like oh I fucking hate this or you're arrested. They they allude to it, but that's just the norm. I love that we we're in this world. It's not just like our world in this book and how we're gonna come out of it. Nope, that's just it's almost like its own little universe, and that's how it is there. So it's not about the plot. It's not about like there are no bad guys. There are no good guys. Like to like overcome this great evil. It's it's one of those stories where it really is about the characters and what they go through, or what they, or, or, or like the main part of each of each book is just like where they get to, or what they have to like um, confront and come out of. Really, they're really really uh, beautiful stories. Uh, in the first part, it's about like like the couple, and the second one is about a couple, but it's about this kid um, thinking that all he needs in the world is like his girlfriend, so he wants to like run away with her, but she's got her own problems and like they're the only people that, can, that, that are talking to each other, but it's, they're not really saying their full truths to each other. So it becomes a story where it's just like, maybe it's better off being separate to 
really like heal when we thought we were healing with each other but that's not the real answer it, it was it was very very cool it, um and not a story where i thought expecting was going um but it, it really is still all about love and i really recommend it. everybody should go get it the heart it's there are these beautiful hard covers um check out bonding awesome yeah i i did read it we uh got an advanced copy from vault a while mm-hmm. ago uh, i know you got a copy too and we you read some of it i was able yeah. to read all of it really liked it i'm definitely gonna pick it up uh it just there wasn't any at my stop so I'll oh gotcha it. so yeah so maybe that's a good sign maybe they sold out so i hope we'll so see. yeah <laughs> yeah samurai usually gets everything so all right well let's move on to image and what a weird image week we got two books <laughs> Rogue Sun number 10. They're both massive for a spoiler. <laughs> uh, written by Ryan Parrott. Uh, art by Marco Rina. Colors by Natalia Marquez. And letter by Becca Carey. Um, so Josue didn't get a chance to pick this one up. Uh, he's, gonna, he's going to, but he hasn't <laughs> had a chance to pick it up yet. Um, so I did tell you about the previous one. Yeah. Where uh, his two younger half-siblings performed a ritual with the sunstone to bring the father back That's in order right, yeah. to help teach him. Well, the father didn't come back. Hmm. Instead, who came back was the first known user of the stone. Oh, shit. Yes. His oh. name is Caleb Hawthorne, and he was born in Bristol, England in the year 1365. Oh, shit. Wow. And so this is him. Oh, nice. I know. And he becomes his mentor. And he's very straightforward and doesn't lie to him at all. He's just like, this is what this is what you need to do. This is the thing. And so it becomes a really interesting, like, wow, this is way better than my father, you know, and stuff yeah. like that. So um, but it's also still building up this arch nemesis of his mm-hmm. that we've seen seen slowly build up and kick his ass in the last issue. Um and it's just really cool. I really enjoy it. And he has to basically rogue son has to go get this, uh, this thing from, uh, the, what would they call her? The Raven queen or something like that. Mm. Um, and we get a shot of her right at the end and this is her <gasps> badass. And I'm feeling this. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah. So, but yeah, mostly this one is about setting up the new dynamic between, um, his mentor and him essentially. So, which brings us to our other image book, Radiant Black 21. Uh, written by Kyle Higgins, art by Marcelo Costa and Eduardo Ferragato, color by Raul Angulo, and letter by Becca Carey. Slowly but surely, our radiants are starting to swarm around each other a little bit more, a little bit more. <laughs> We're all starting to come together. Uh, we will have a crossover soon. I know it. And they keep hinting about the war that's inevitable and stuff. It's great. Um, we start to see problems with them sharing the radiant suit. Oh yeah, which I thought was really interesting. Like, is it gonna favor one of them over the other? What's gonna happen here? Um, but really, really interesting. Yellow comes back. Obviously, I hinted at that. Um, yeah, I thought it was, I thought it was really cool. Um, very good book. Very good issue, I should say. Um, I'm very curious to see because, like, a lot of this book has been about these two both being the radiant one first one and then the other and then you know what's going to happen when that one comes back oh are they going to share it like that's been the whole arc really and so we've got a kind of a wrinkle in it and i'm very curious to see like 
what's going to happen here? You know what I mean? Like, is it going to stick with one of them and drop the other? You know what I mean? Like, I'm kind of like, I'm worried is what I'll say. I'm worried, <laughs> but um, I, I thought it was really cool. Um, I, I liked yellow coming back and I like yellow being more assertive. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like he's just like, no, you need to do this, do this thing. You know what I mean? Like he's like, he seemed kind of wishy-washy before. So, um, but yeah, I, I thought it was really cool. And um, I actually really liked the confrontation they had. Um, with shift with shift. Yeah. Because I actually thought is shift going to be the green ranger. Like, you know uh, what I mean? We always compare it to Power Rangers, but like, is he going to be the bad guy that actually turns into a good guy? That'd be really cool because it's kind of got that bad boy thing going. I, I could see <laughs> that. They didn't do it in this issue, but I thought I thought it was a cool idea. But yeah, I really liked it. What do you think? That'd be interesting. I, it hasn't happened for me yet for me to really see it. I do like him as a bad I prefer him as a bad guy, but we'll see. That's also interesting. But also, like, his power is to just siphon off, or like, his suit is to siphon off of the radiance. So, I mean, we'll see. Um, the, the dope issue though, I was also like in the end when, um, yellow, how yellow gets the password by like going through all these different possibilities. Right. Love that. It was, it was actually pretty dope. And how like, they're just kind of like grossed out. Like, yeah, that shit was weird. <laughs> Don't do that shit again around us. Yeah. I'm wondering how they're, how they're going to end up uh, sharing this power, especially like leading up to this potential crossover. Um, I actually really like the cover of like, why not have them share it? They look really badass, like yeah, teaming up like that. Yeah, it'd be cool. Like even I like like have them like be like nerfed compared to the other radiance, but the fact that there's two of them around is actually pretty dope. Yeah, like they they both powered, but they're half powered. Right. Like that'd be cool. Yeah. All right. Well, that's it for Image. I mean, it was a very light week for Image. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of light weeks, let's talk about DC. Uh, I have four one shots. <laughs> so, nice. DC Power. This is the uh, celebration, uh, Black History Month celebration. So I got this cover. Oh, nice. Which is really cool. It is nice. Um, I point out to Liz, I'm like, like I'm, I love most of these characters, but I realize how new almost all these characters are. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of depressing. Yeah. Like that. It, and it literally, my other issue with it is I'm like, oh, it's the Black Batman and the Black Green Lantern and the other Black Green Lantern and the Black Aquaman and the Black Wonder Woman and. Oh, <laughs> these are just black versions of all their popular characters. <sighs> Look, and so I was kind of annoyed by that. But I do like the characters as the thing. So a um, couple different stories here. Uh, I won't go into all of them, you know, fully. Uh, they had one for Amazing Man that I really enjoyed. Amazing Man's a throwback character. And that was one of the few non-legacy characters, you know. So I really liked that one. It was it was a throwback story, too. It was set in the past. So I thought that was really cool. Um there was a Black Lightning story that also featured his daughters. So I really liked that because I like Black Lightning. I always thought Black Lightning, Thunder, and Lightning are really cool characters. So mm-hmm. uh, there was a Nubia one where she teamed up with Bumblebee. Oh. And that was actually a lot of fun. And one of the best parts about it is, uh, well, Stephanie Williams, R- Williams wrote it, but the art was Aletha Martinez and Mark Morales. And so uh, Nubia just got to wear nice clothes the entire time. It looked great. So she wore this, this gown at one point and stuff like Ooh. that. Like yeah, it's really well done. Um, yeah, and again, these are this is an anthology, so these are short stories. Um, also, each one of the stories has the info page for the character at the end oh, with cool. the power levels and stuff. So I always like those. Uh, there's a John Stewart one that was really interesting about him flashing back to being a child, 
while trying to resolve like uh, a conflict. I really like that one. There was an Aquaman Kid Flash team up, which I thought was really good, uh, which you might have seen online features, quote, the first dap in comic book history, (laughs) which I thought was literally it's (laughs) it's pretty great. Um, Cyborg. I mean, it was fine. I'm just not a cyborg fan. I'm sorry. I don't care. Uh, Vixen and Batwing. I've never liked Vixen. (laughs) Like, I don't know. It's just. I just never liked her very much. This was fine. I like Batwing a lot, so um, they—I I guess they're together. I haven't been keeping up with those characters, so I don't know if they've always been together. But I support the relationship. I think that's a really cool comparing. Actually, it mm-hmm. might mean you like her more. Um, there was a Jace Fox Batman story, which was all in black and white and was really cool. And the art was Olivia Coipel. So you get shit like this. That's cool. It's fucking great. If there's nothing else, this is a reason to buy this book. Um, it's just really cool. And then uh, you get a preview of Far Sector at the end. Uh, so if you haven't read uh, Far Sector, it's kind of a preview of why you should. Oh, cool. So, yeah. Pretty good. Big and thick. This is basically a graphic novel. So, yeah. And it was, I think it was 10 bucks. Yeah, it was nine ninety nine. So next up, Harley Quinn Romances. It says issue one. I don't know if they're going to continue. I think this is a one shot too, because it's also very thick and also $10. Uh, Eight stories here, one with Harley Quinn and Ivy, but it's like animated series, Harley Quinn and Ivy. Uh Uh-huh. And it's just about them basically Ivy doing this, this heist and Harley interfering and they have a misunderstanding, but they're still in love kind of thing. And they, they, it's kind of like self-referential for that. Mm-hmm. Because it's literally, she's, Tarly's telling her a story about two people in love who have a misunderstanding and then still in love with each other. Yeah. Uh, the second one is a Batman story that I actually thought was kind of cute. Where Batman saves these two people who just got engaged. And they're just insufferable people, but they love each other. And he just puts up with them the entire time. I loved that. That was great. Um there's a really great Power Girl story where Clark puts sets her up on a blind date with one of his friends and ends up being Jimmy Olsen. Oh, God. Okay. And he doesn't know she's Power Girl. He just thinks she's Karen Starr. And they have a really nice date and stuff. But she's like, I, you know, I'm sorry. I can't date you. And she's like, I realize whoever I date is going to be in danger is what she tells Clark. And I'm like, boo, I hate that excuse so much. <laughs> so I thought they'd been a cute couple, but whatever. There's a Constantine story, and they somehow did not take an opportunity to make Constantine like the romantic interest. Oh, I was like, that's interesting. Uh, there's a fire and ice one about using dating apps that I really liked. Um, Midnighter and Apollo, which was really good. It's exactly what you'd expect. It was great. Uh, there's a Kite Man story that I felt was a little disrespectful of Kite Man, which is hard because he's Kite Man. Yeah. It, it, basically, he ends up falling in love with a kite instead of a woman. She like was like, yeah, I'll go on a date with you. He's like, no, I have a kite now. And I'm like, I get it's supposed to be funny, but... I watched that man get dumped by Ivy in that cartoon show. <laughs> like, so I want him to be happy. Um, and then there's a story with Aquaman and Harley Quinn in like a fan fiction style romance, mm-hmm. which was really, really funny and great. Uh, Aquaman is just fucking sexy the whole time. And it's really good. So um, there's, there's, there's a couple different ones. It's like little, like two page stories is what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's, there's like a Harley Quinn one, and then there's like, um, uh, 
you just have to see it. They they have all these different titles. One's a Black Canary Crimea River thing. Like it's just ridiculous. So lots of fun for Valentine's Day. They've been doing anthologies for everything, so why not Valentine's Day? Mm-hmm. Next up, Batman Legends of Gotham number one. I think this is a one shot from what I've been told, but I wouldn't be shocked if this continues. Uh, because it was a cool story and I really liked it. So, creative team is going to be at the back, isn't it? Because it's DC. Yes. Written by Andy Diggle. Art by Carl Mostert. Colored by Romulo Fajardo Jr. Letter by Troy Pateri. Uh, So, this is about Red Hood and the uh, Outsiders, which I think should be a permanent team-up, because that's cool. And they have to do a heist together, and that's basically the whole story. They have to work together. In this case, the Outsiders, it just seems to be Black Lightning and Katana. Uh, but yeah, they do this heist where all the information uh, Batman has about killing all the heroes, mm-hmm. it gets stolen and it's getting sold to the highest bidder. And yes, he because he's a villain, he can pose as a villain and go and try to buy it is the idea. And it's got some really cool twists. It shows that Jason's kind of always ahead of everybody, which I really like because I love Jason. And we find out really like one of the people that wants to buy it is Bane. Bane is the main character that they're talking about buying it. And they want to prevent it. And he's also the aggressor the entire time they're at the at the auction. He's the one like that seems to be the bad guy of the story. Yeah. And Jason's determined to keep it away from him. And eventually they do prevent him from getting it. And you find out throughout the story, bit by bit, that he obviously Bane's the one that killed Alfred. Mm-hmm. And he's his goal is to kill Bane at this point. Oh, this shit. is just step one. So that's the whole the whole thing he's doing, basically. Um, so it was really interesting. It dug into his character a bit there. And yeah, I would not hate this team up being permanent. Just throwing that out there. So, nice. Although I think Katana would hate it. So uh, <laughs> Next up, Lazarus Planet, Legends Reborn. Um, so this is one of those other Lazarus Planet books. Uh, this one, uh, obviously each one features multiple characters. This one is featuring... Um, Nightwing, City Boy, Firestorm, Beast Boy, Raven, Trigon, and the question Renee Montoya. So I just want to say I like everybody involved in the Renee Montoya story. I like the creative team. I had nothing against you all. I will not read a story about Renee Montoya being a cop. I'm sorry. I just can't do it. Like, so again, we, we teased earlier the DC copaganda thing. There you go. There it is. <laughs> it came up again. So I can't do it. Just because she joined doesn't make cops okay. That's and it kind of feels very out of character for her to become a cop again. So, but whatever, it's fine. I get it's not usually ever like those people's idea. So, the second story is about Raven and Beast Boy, and eventually leads into Trigun because you find out it wasn't even Beast Boy all along was Trigun, and it's kind of setting up future conflicts probably for the Titan series. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that was really interesting. Um. And it features some kids in the Lazarus rain turned to demons. She's trying to help them is what it is. Oh, so. yeah. uh, the next one is City Boy, which I really liked. Um, it's basically a character whose powers are all about the city. They could talk to cities and they can help them with stuff. And uh, which is actually a D&D character type, by the way. Mm. Uh, so just throwing that out there. Um, and it's really cool. He has a crossover with Nightwing and he's like, He's kind of doing the right thing, but he's also out for himself. Like He's a really interesting character, and I want more of him already. The Firestorm story is about how Dr. Stein, who's half of Firestorm, is 
injured quote and we don't know what's wrong so ronnie has to combine with another guy to stop a bad guy and he's like cool we did it and then we find out that there's something wrong with the firestorm matrix and it's draining the life out of everybody that combines with ronnie oh shit and it, it like when he separates from that doctor the doctor comes out like 20 years older and you see dr stein in a bed like frail and ancient basically and that's what's going on which i thought was a really cool twist i like that idea yeah so uh that's pretty much it for that uh not not the best of these you know what i mean um they it also didn't seem to have a really strong theme running through them like the other ones yeah it seemed more like the the other characters you know what i mean like yeah the no, ones I, that are left <laughs> i thought the beast the beast uh beast boy story was like what got him there from like last week's issue how we got him yeah. out of that trance um fuck, I, I was skimming a book this week and um, then it wasn't him <laughs> yeah yeah so. Um, I was skimming a book this week. I, I thought it was either the Gotham one or, or I thought it was this one, uh, where the that not Booster Gold, but like the the Blue Beetle from like the future, the Blue Beetle Ghost, uh, Blue Beetle Booster Gold from the future, that girl from the future yeah, that we saw, Gold Beetle. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, what book was she featured in? I, I, I swear, I saw, I saw her in a book. Was it Blue and Gold? No, I, I, I skimmed a book this week, and then she, she was she had a storyline oh, this week. End. I don't I don't remember. I'll, I'll have to look at the shop again. I don't get everything DC puts out though. Okay. So. The next Lazarus Planet book is Next Evolution, which features Deadeye, Red Canary, Flatline, and Vigil. So it seems to be like legacy characters for the most mm-hmm. part. So, so yeah, we'll see there. Yeah, I, I want to know what Flatline's going to do. Like, who is, is happening right now for her? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Which is a great character. Mm-hmm. Um. And that's it. That's all the DC I have. You ready to move on to Marvel? Yes. Let's talk about Marvel. And we'll start with Avengers 65. Written by Jason Aaron, drawn by Javier Garon, colored by David Curiel, and lettered by Corey Petit. In the last issue, we had it revealed that Loki is actually Avenger Prime. <laughs> and then we get his background story, which Loki this is and everything. And this is the Loki that won. That's his story. He's the only Loki that ever actually won. Holy shit. Thor died when he was young. He became king. Odin, he got rid of Odin. No one stopped him. He became king of everything. He um, learned about uh, all the multiverses and who stopped him was the Avengers. So in his world, he got rid of all the Avengers before they could become Avengers. Oh, shit. Like, so he's like, cool. And so he does this and... He's like, cool, I got rid of the Avengers because I'm always the reason Avengers come together. And it, like, it's really great. He's just like, you know, um, he made sure our, uh, Captain America stayed frozen. He sacked Wakanda. He slaughtered every Kree half-breed he could find. Shipped the Ghost Riders off to Muspelheim. Like oh, all this shit. stuff. And he's like, and then he realizes, oh, wait, the Avengers weren't just stopping me. They were stopping a lot of bad guys, and now there's no one to stop these bad guys. I love those ridiculous horns. They're so big. (laughs) Yeah. So in this world, he's also the most powerful sorcerer, so he's able to stop the bad guys, but it it basically, in the process, destroys his entire universe, kills everybody in the universe. Mm. So we've got this great shot of him just floating in space with all these dead bodies. Oh, shit. And so he tries to kill himself. It doesn't work. He gets teleported, and that's when he becomes Avenger Prime. So his... His decisions aren't very honorable, which I think is really kind of cool, but he's also stupid powerful, and he realizes the irony now is he has to actually put together the best Avengers team of all time. <laughs> like, oh, that's nice. the whole irony of it. So, they're about to fight Doom, and they're like, we need backup. He's like, well, what you need is more Avengers, and that's when he teleports our Avengers and the Savage, the Ancient Avengers. Oh, dope. Okay. Uh, so, now they're all together. 
Um, so yeah, it's just more of like a backstory for that Loki. Next up is Wakanda number five. Mm. And yes, yes, it's an Okoye story, and I love it. The whole thing? <laughs> uh, except for the little bit about the history of Black Panthers at the end. Yeah, yeah, uh, Written by Brandon Thomas, art by Jose Luis, inked by Keith Champagne, and colored by Andrew Dollhouse. And the bit at the end, the history of Black Panthers, written by Evan Narcisse, art by Natasha Bustos, colored by Jordi Belair, and all lettering done by Joe Sabino. This is the final issue. Just so okay. So this will be a trade soon. Um, and it is about Okoye being kind of the last Dora because the rest of them stepped down after T'Challa left. And she's defending Wakanda from this threat. And it's great because it's like this whole team of like D-list villains are, are hired, including Shocker, Batroc, and Madam, uh, Sl- Madam Slay are like attacking. So she has to take them all out, which is great. Wait, based on what we know of his gauntlets, what the fuck is shocker going to do against vibranium? That's the thing. He needs vibranium because with all the vibrations, uh, his spinal column is fucked up. Oh God. So he, ne- he needs vibranium to support his spinal column. Otherwise he's just in constant pain. That's fucking sad. I know it's fucked up, right? <laughs> But it's really cool, and it's kind of about how Okoye is a fucking badass and should always be a badass and should always be used. So, And then we get the history of the Black Panthers, the last story, which is the modern history of the Black Panthers, mm-hmm. which kind of wraps it up. So yeah, that's pretty much it. It does give a plug at the end for the Marvel Voices Wakanda book that's coming. Because we're going to do a voice specifically just for Wakanda. So That's actually pretty cool. Yeah. Next up, Captain America. Sentinel of Liberty number nine, featuring the all new invaders. <laughs> uh, so, written by Jackson Lansing and Colin Kelly, art by Carmen Carnero, colors by Nolan Woodard, and letter by Joe Caramagna. I like this because um, the team pairs off, and I like that we get some rare pairs. That's fun. Mm-hmm. Like Fury and Redacted. Right. That's fun. That's a lot of fun. <laughs> I really dig that. Um, but yeah, it's just kind of like setting up a lot of the dynamics we're going to have within the team. We get Peggy and Steve, which I think is an interesting team up because, you know, you know. <laughs> so I yeah, but like, I, I like their, their, their topic of conversation is like Steve isn't Steve is so is a good guy, but he's so just stubborn that he's just not going to listen to anyone else's advice. I'm glad that it was Peggy to be like, yo, if we're going to talk about this one person, you're going to fucking listen to me. Yeah, and the Bucky, this appearance of Bucky, this face right here. Yes. I was like, oh, my heart. Like, he's so torn and, like, hurt. and But he knows he's doing the right thing. But, like, that's oh, so mm-hmm. good. But as always, it all comes back to MODOK. <laughs> and this MODOK is actually really threatening and terrifying. Yeah, because really MODOK appreciate that. Yeah, <laughs> he's not a joke, which I... I mean, I like joke MODOK. Don't, MODOK, don't get me wrong, but I like <laughs> this one, too, so... But it's really cool. I like it. Like a lot of character development and a lot of like taking back New York essentially is what's happening. So mm-hmm. uh, what do you think? Yeah, no, it was awesome. I, I like I like how Modoc was like at the center of everything. How he's like he's still watching everything, still doing his little influences here and there. Um, but yeah, the, um, the pairings were, were really cool. And and I like also like the when they're briefing everybody, we still get to talk to the people that um, like all of other Steve's friends that we've been seeing from like the very beginning, like, like the right. bar dude that he's like, always like, like again, or butting heads with, but it's like, but this dude loves to be like on the other side of the conversation against Steve. And like, he, he got to help out in, the, in this, in this case too. But yeah, Modoc, this Modoc, um, yeah. How, Modoc can, that can actually be 
fucking terrifying if he wasn't always just such a fucking joke. Um, so it's cool that he's actually being utilized in this way because he is very threatening. Yeah, and, and he's just a pawn in, in this whole fucking scheme right now. Exactly. Like, that's... It really puts into perspective how many of these, like, like in this canon, how much of these adventures people go on were probably just manipulated by this group. You know yes. what I mean? Like, and that's really cool to see one from that with that knowledge now. It's interesting. Mm-hmm. So, all right. Next up, a number one, Bloodline, Daughter of Blade. <sighs> did you pick it up? Yo, fuck yeah. You know, I had to okay. go with that promo variant. Yeah, I almost did, but I really liked the cover A. I did too. It, but uh, ever since like from the beginning when we first saw this, is like that reflection was everything. Yeah. Written by Danny Lore. Love you, Danny. Woo. Art by Karen S. Darbo. Colored by Chris Peter and lettered by Joe Sabino. I really liked this. It's a great origin. Um, I like that Blade's aware she exists. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a really cool idea. Because he could have just been like, what? I have a daughter? You know, like, but no. I think it was really well told in the way they did it. Um, I like the idea that they took her character and made her kind of a jock at first, mm-hmm. but she changed. And I love the way her mother stood up for her in school where she's like, so you're telling me she just doesn't play sports anymore and you called me here for that? You wasted my time <laughs> for this shit? Yeah. <laughs> like, I really appreciated that. That was really cool. Um, I like the new girl showing up and obviously being involved in something more than just being another student. I thought that was a really cool, like, move. Um, yeah, I thought this was really interesting and I really enjoyed it. Um, I one of my favorite things about this uh, that I think is just this massive, amazing coincidence is that um, her her buddy's name Jaden, right? Uh, I think so. Yeah. Okay. I'm pretty sure it was Jaden because. Um, yes. Yeah. So keep that in mind in a minute. So, <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I really liked it. Um, I like the vampire stuff. I like her and her mom working together to stop a vampire. I thought that was really cool. I like the whole, you know, in movies they turn to dust. I thought that oh, was yeah. great. <laughs> like, so just a really cool story. Like, I, I really thoroughly enjoyed it. And I can't wait for Blade to show up. What do you think? Um, I, I really like this book so far um, just because it has such a such a YA feel of, of a book, of, of a tone. But then this, like, there's a splinter of, br- of brutality in it because it is a vampire slash blade um, st- story to uh, going with right. it too. But it's just like, like, like the whole school aspect is like, it's just like where I'm going with like why. But then specifically, when she goes on her little night adventure, she goes to like the haunted house, but she doesn't have her weapons yet, so she takes her bag full of stuff and a fucking lacrosse stick. It's, it's such a why like move to do. Um, and oh, then yeah. you go, and then she goes. Bikes. Yeah, and then she goes into, she goes into the, the haunted house. So, so I liked it for the, for that aspect, or like that feel throughout throughout the whole thing. But then there's like, but then the brutality will be coming in. That just like, it, it, and it's, it's so fitting. It's just not jarring and just like over the top. Um, yeah, so far so good. I really liked it for the first issue. Yeah, definitely. Which brings us to Silver Surfer Ghostlight number one, mm. which uh, is at the end, of course. Uh, creative team. Did you get this one? No. This is a Hostway book. Ooh, Written okay. by John Jennings. Art by Valentin Delandro. Color by Matt Mee and letter by Joe Sabino. Which features as a main character a young black girl, probably high school age, whose cousin and best friend's name is Jaden. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I want to pretend they're the same Jaden. <laughs> so, um, basically it's this young girl and, uh, her family move is kind of out into the middle of nowhere. 
um, from New York City. And the idea is like, she's like, we live in the country now. This is boring. But her family's like, you know, your uncle died and gave us this this uh, home. And it's, um, you know, it's, it's a free home. It's a really nice home. We're going to live here, basically. And it's her kind of dealing with that. And her little brother and her parents and everything like that. Um, she finds they're, they're always told not to go into the shed in the back, basically. Mm-hmm. So they go into the shed in the back, of course, and they find a secret bunker under the shed with a bunch of machinery, including this fucking crazy looking gun. And they shoot it off and it uses energy. And we get a shot in space of Silver Surfer. This, this is halfway through the book. It's the first time we see the surfer. And he says, I'd know that energy signature anywhere. And basically someone else, long story short, also detects the energy signature. And we get this fucking great shot. Like, I love when motion is captured so well in comics. You know what I mean? Like, like the visual motion. So check this out, right? Like, just the blurriness and the way the stars are extending. Like, you're muted, by the way. So... Yeah, no, it's just how fast he's zooming in. It's so cool. Yeah, so he ends up landing, and uh, they find the glowing man, which I believe is going to be their uncle, is the idea. Okay. And then that's when Silver Surfer shows up. And just, I love this art. Like, it's old school art. Yeah. Like, it's so good. Mm -hmm. And he's basically like, yo, I'm the Silver Surfer who's fucking with Al Harper's remains, basically. So it is more like her story, and he's going to guest star in it. Okay. I really like this so far. Like hmm. the art is great. Like it's like that's why that's the main thing I thought, oh, this is a Hosway book. Just because of the way the art looks, it looks a lot like books that I think you really hold in high esteem. Yeah, I'll check it out on my on my shift tomorrow then. Yeah, definitely. I, I really, really liked it. And I know you like a good off the wall silver surfer book. So. Oh, for your yeah. Yeah. So all right. One more number one. Demon Wars. Down in flames. I got a number one. <laughs> I got the, Dude, I got the same one. <laughs> it's so dope. Yeah. Had to. You know Peach how hard it is to not right? get a Peach Momoko oh, no. cover and oh, then a Peach Momoko variant. Oh, yeah. yeah, it's a Peach Momoko book and we didn't get the Peach Momoko cover. <laughs> like that says a lot. But I mean it's Darren Daniel Warren Johnson. So Story and Art by Peach Momoko, co-scripted by Zach Davison with letters by Ariana Mayer. This is kind of a rough retelling of the Phoenix tale. And I really liked this one. Um, and we're building so well with this civil war story still going. Uh, I will say like, cause some of these characters, they don't make it super clear who they are. Um, so this one, who do you think that is? I, th- I thought it was, that was gonna be magic. I was thinking it was Anole because of the one spiky big arm. Yeah, but, but I mean, an- there's no but, like, green. And then she, oh, she gets, like, it's she gets, not like, green. Horns. I'm colorblind. I thought it was green. Oh yeah, no, there's no green. It's like it is red hair, which is not magic esque, but but she does have like the armored arm. Yeah. Um, and like the, the whole horns, like she has like the 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 one big ones, like the, the two little ones underneath them. I just thought because the one arm, it would be like Anale, but I thought it was like maybe it's like a Gestalt character, like a couple characters put together. Yeah. So also little kid with Magneto's helmet, adorable. Adorable. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it was really cool. I, I really liked this issue. Lots of great action in this one. Um, and we have to talk about their version of Cyclops. Because he is incredible. 
He's a little baby with a giant eye on his head that squirts tears. <laughs> Fucking perfect. I love him. If anything happens to him, I will kill everyone and then myself. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, it was really, really cool. And we had an intro of another character at the end, uh, which appears to be their version of Wanda, which is really interesting. So I like this. I like these. Unlike the first run, which was really good, the homages were more on the nose in this one. This one, they're more obscure and more like yeah. completely different, which I really like. Um, and yeah, it's kind of its own thing and really wild. I really like it. So with, with it being Wanda as the next story and this total uh, the name being Scarlet Sin, I'm wondering if it's like a, a House of M maybe thing. Ooh, okay. You know, maybe because they're doing homages to classic crossovers, you know. Mm-hmm. So that's the only one I can think of that's really Wanda centric. So. What do you think? Um, it, it's fucking awesome. It, it's it's so badass. And like you're right, I like how this one we do need to start. Maybe like it's like you do have to think about a little bit like who each person is. Because um, yeah, before it was mostly like the like those type of like figures being adapted into like the Marvel universe. But now it's kind of like the Marvel universe like just going over to the other side and, and how they're gonna like transition over. Because um, it took me a second to really like to really kind of nail down. I think my guess it's, it it is magic. Um, but Phoenix looks nothing like the Phoenix Force, but she looks fucking beautiful. And or it like right. she's like her own like mystic being. It's like in a different way. It's awesome. Cyclops is a hydro pump that can like literally split a rock. Yes. It's, it's so powerful. And all he does is it. cry. Is it's, it's Cyclops being binding meets binding of Isaac, and I love it so much. Yeah, it's fantastic. So. Um, yeah, good, good shit. I, uh, I I love this chapter. Like, ugh, it's, it's, so, it's such a great mesh of everything. Um, yeah, I can't wait for the next one. Nice. Next up, Moon Knight 20. This one, I did get a variant. I had to get that Philip Tan. Oh, I didn't see it. That's gorgeous. Yeah. Yeah, I got A. So, Written by Jed McKay. Art by Alessandro Capuccio. Uh, colors by Rochelle Rosenberg. And lettered by Corey Petit. Backup story at the end, written by Danny Lore. Love you, Danny. Art by Ray Anthony Hyde. Colors are uh, inks by LeBeau Underwood and Scott Hanna. Colors by Rochelle Rosenberg. Um, so the main story is a really cool, like, if you're a really, like, deep Moon Knight fan, there's some really cool, like, references in this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, to Back to all these people that have worked with him in the past. And I thought that was really cool. Uh, I wonder how much it would translate over to people who don't, who aren't familiar with older Moon Knight stories. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, but I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, I wouldn't be able to speak to that. There's some of my favorite Moon Knight imagery in this issue. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some fucking incredible shots. Uh, specifically, uh, I really like this one. Yeah. I like it because it's like a billowing out. He's got the double foot stomp look, which I always like. There's another one later on that I really I fucking enjoyed. love this one. It's just like what this Alessandro one. fucking does so well. That one. It's that one so fucking much. It's, it's so, so good. Perfect. The way he glows in the dark. Oh, so good. And the rain coming off of him and stuff. <laughs> like, yeah, it's fucking great. Um, but yeah, basically, it's Moon Knight cleaning up, you know, some problems. And, well, it's like uh, a race. It's like 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 people yeah. are being picked off, and it's like, and then they're, they're getting to it, or they're starting to figure out, but they're just like right behind like the trail, and it's like who can like save, who can kill the the fastest. And it's really in the end, he only really stops like the triggermen, just some generic foot soldiers. Mm-hmm. We still don't really get who's behind it yet. And part of me is like, is it Zodiac? Is Zodiac out? You know, already, like, yeah. So because they kind of set that up, we'll see. I don't know. And then we get a cool backup story uh, with Blade and a previous Moon Knight, which I thought was really cool. Yeah, she's uh, dope. 
yeah, really great story, which led to basically Moon Knight in the present being like, yo, I need your help. I work with Reese. She's a young vampire. I can't teach her how to be a vampire. And Blade's like, yeah, we'll do it. And he's like, oh, (laughs) that was easy, basically. He's just like, I, you know, it's a favor. You don't owe me a favor. He's like, not you. (laughs) So I really like that. I thought it was really cool, especially with Bloodline coming out this week as well. And Danny riding them both. Good stuff. So. Mm -hmm. Anything you want to add? Um, I just I just have to add that I I, <laughs> I love Marvel villains, Marvel rogues with uh, spherical heads that are just always so fu- fucking oh hilarious. Oh, uh, the, the orb <laughs> is one of them, and then in this one, go for eight ball. <laughs> <laughs> He's in the bath, but with the helmet on. Nothing else, just the helmet. <laughs> That's incredible. I love. I don't it. know so why nice. spherical headed Marvel rogues are just my favorite. <laughs> yeah good stuff yeah all right next up quickly becoming one of my favorite books scarlet witch number two i got the i got the pin particle variant i was so lucky so check this i never go for um um the theme variants like movie theme variants i don't have any of the alien or the predator ones or anything before that but i was so lucky when i was there that day with nick when he was doing that his focs i had to get this uh planet of the apes one yeah it's like it has it has such a cool feel to a vhs cover and then plus wanda yeah, I'll give you that. Yeah. I like the red orbs. It looks cool. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Written by Steve Orlando, art by Sarah Pacelli, inked by Elisabetta D'Amico, colors by Matthew Wilson, letter by Corey Petit. We are continuing this new normal for Wanda, running the shop, handling people coming out of this door with their problems. In this case, it's Viv Vision. So good because it's kind of her daughter, but not, you know, and yeah. it's this awkward thing. And, I love the portrayal of Viv here. I think they nailed the character very well. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of being like kind of human, but not, you know, kind of distant. And uh, a interesting conflict with a rarely used character that is handled in a creative way. Like that's one of the things I like about this book. And I think it's going to continue is that's, that's something they do. They do it in an interesting way, in a creative way. So Really enjoyed that, and we're still teasing this Darcy thing. Hmm. A little bit, little bit of tease, just sprinkling it on there like Salt Bay. Um, so, yeah. Also, there's a backup story at the end by Stephanie Williams, Chris Allen, Dee Cuniff, and Corey Petit, oh. uh, featuring Storm. Oh. In, and essentially, there to tell Wanda that Magneto is dead. Yeah. Which is sad as fuck. Um, but also, she helps her get, like, these special magical supplies. Now this, I think this story could have insane implications on the Marvel universe. Yep. Because it basically tells us something that we kind of knew in the back of our head, but never thought about the implications of, which is that storm has magic. Storm can use magic. If she ever Mm -hmm. sat down and learned and think about storm, but more powerful. (laughs) Yes. Like, she could be amazing. That would be an amazing story. I'd really appreciate that. So, uh, but yeah, it's just a little side story in the back of Scarlet Witch number two, but it might change the Marvel Universe forever one day. So, I really like it though. I love the Scarlet Witch book. I think it's fucking perfect. I think it's a genius idea, and um, the possibilities are endless. So, Mm what do you think? Um, Oh, I I mean, I really like the the book. it's like why hasn't this like it's like it, it's rarely happened since shit when was that 2016 2017 um but uh wanda actually having a conversation with viv it's like 
to this extent to where she wants to, she needs help. She's going to help her. It's it, they're, they're that fucking close. Like it's, it's crazy how it hasn't happened until now. Um, at least like in, uh, in this aspect, but yeah, the storm, the storm one was the one that got to me when, when Wanda was like, yo bitch, I think you're actually part of the sisterhood. My fucking brain went everywhere. Cause yeah, it made fucking sense. Like she's a mutant. She's an Omega level mutant. But what is that she can do? She can just like the way she manipulates the elements, the way witchcraft works in that aspect. It's just like she just has it. Um, but it's like if, if she were to, to explore, and like at the end when she just like has that um, that shot of like the the, the circle around sigils. her, yeah, the yeah. sigils all around her, and like it just it goes, ah, it's so badass. Um, and even Wanda is like, wait, who the fuck did you think over those powers? And it's like it's like <laughs> this all fucking ties together. Yeah, Storm is very much part of the sisterhood, and that makes all the fucking sense in the world. Please, please explore this. One hundred percent. Yeah. All right, next up, we're going to switch over to our eight-legged books. And we're going to start with Miles Morales, Spider-Man number three. Uh, written by Cody Ziglar, art by Federico Vicentini, colors by Brian Valenza, and letter by Cordy Petit. Um, this is the origin of this new villain of his mm-hmm. uh, called The Rabble, which, by the way, fantastic fucking name. Yes. Um, my, my only thing with it is, is like it's a funny-sounding word. You know what I mean? It's got like funny syllables. Oh, yeah. But I don't care. It's great. It's 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 such a great name for someone in her position. I think it's a really good choice. So, um, but yeah, really great background story. It's it's identifiable. Like it's something that people can identify with. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, I think it was really well done. Uh, and I can't wait to see where it goes. What do you think, dude? What I what I think? What did I fucking say? What the fuck did I say from the very beginning? <laughs> this was like her motive. I called it from the very beginning. Why she was so pissed at him? And oh god, I was I was raging when it's like when when uh, when it was revealed. It's like not that it was like it was like oh it's so obvious it's bad, but it was just like it's such a great motivator. It was a great motor for for a villain, and that sucks. Like I mean, she has she had every right uh, to go to that to go to that school just as much as Miles, but then it's like. Miles is kind of a slacker, has been kind of a slacker. Um, yeah, all, all the fucking power to you, girl. Like, get it. Um, the part that had me fucking dying was a uh, friend of yours. Oh, damn, Agent Go. Wow, you're not going to believe this, but I'm actually with her. I mean, not with her, but like, I'm working. Please stop talking. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. It was such a good fucking part. <laughs> yeah, great stuff. I, I love this book so much. I fucking love the Spider- Spider-Man book. Yeah, Cody is a really great voice for this book. Yes. And I actually have some really awesome news for me. Mm. Uh, when Phoenix Fan Fest comes around, uh, Cody's going to be there, and I'm going to get my Spider-Punk sign. Fuck yes. So, yes, I'm very excited. So, yes. Um, all right, that brings us to our next eight-legged book. And my favorite cover of the week, um, Venom, number 16. I got the Pim Particle variant which is Venom fighting Pizza Rat in a New York subway. I need to get that one. <laughs> it's fucking perfect. I love it so much. Written by Al Ewing, penciled by Brian Hitch, inked by Brian Hitch and Andrew Curry, colors by Alex Sinclair, and lettered by Clayton Cowles. It's Bedlam versus Venom. Well, actually, Codex, not Venom. <laughs> and and the Red Goblin. And Miss Marvel being like, wait, are you all children? <laughs> I really enjoyed this. Uh, Bedlam making the chainsaw arm was just great. A uh, lot going on. Um, but yeah, it does wrap up Venom's part of Dark Web for the most part. Obviously, it goes into the next book, which we'll talk about in a bit. 
But yeah, it seems like Eddie's going to be, I thought Eddie would be Bedlam for like a very short period of time here. Like maybe transition to the next one right away, but it seems like he's going to be Bedlam at least through the end of this. Yeah, we'll so, see. Because Mernius was like, oh, you don't come back yet. You're back when you regenerate. You he even patched him up, yeah, for, on the eye. Yeah, so we'll see. Uh, but very interesting. I like, I love, love, love actually the whole Dylan is Venom, but can be Codex for a short period of time. I'm like, that's some Dragon Ball Z shit. It's some Shonen ass shit for real. <laughs> <laughs> He's just like, I can only go Super Saiyan, Super Venom 3 for like 10 minutes. And then, like, I really like that shit. Like, that's not an insult. If anyone making this book is listening, that is a compliment from us. <laughs> Absolutely. I, 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 I like even called it uh, his Super Saiyan 2 because, like, he has to, like, unsheathe the sword from, like, his chest. And it's like, <laughs> it's so fucking edgy. Like, even what he says, like, <laughs> the world is a dark edge. I only reflect it. I stopped and just called out, like, this shit's so fucking edgy to where the next line is. <laughs> is uh miss marvel are you doing an impression of that tough guy and what a tough guy is like it's like you're being super fucking edgy dude yeah great stuff i loved it uh but yeah it wraps up the venom in dark web which i think we knew had to, he had to be a part of mm-hmm. and i think they incorporated him pretty well um for the story and now he can kind of go do his own thing again so yeah it's definitely the, like the the loosest part of the tie-ins into into dark web but it, it was still it's so enjoyable i think this is like my favorite uh venom tie-in into dark web yeah all right. Anything else you want to add before we move on to the next one, which is technically no, get into book. it. <laughs> Dark Web Finale, uh, Peach Momoko cover. Absolutely. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> I'm going to start saying Peach Momoko wrong every time to see if people understand. I'll be like, Meech Momoko. <laughs> <laughs> Written by Zeb Wells, art by Adam Hubert, Francesco Mor- Mortorino, and Scott Hanna. Colors by Frank Martin, Guru FX, and letter by Joe Cara Magna. Yeah, um, this happened. <laughs> so basically maddie and the x-men and spider-man and rec rap okay no we're gonna stop for a second if you told me three issues ago that they would make a demon form of spider-man named rec rap who was stupid and i would like him i would call you a fucking liar and by the end of this book i'm like i swear to god if they kill rec rap (laughs) i was like i will fucking riot um yeah, luckily he does survive. He disappears mysteriously. So he's definitely coming back, which is fantastic. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, basically it's everybody against Chasm because he fucking sucks. And I do like how much Hollow Eve uses her powers, how she keeps switching in this one. Yes. I thought that was cool because I think with her own book coming up, I think it's smart to like give her more of a spotlight at the end of this mm-hmm. to get, make us interested. So. Um, Madeline takes control of the scythe again and takes control of limbo once again. Uh, and in the end, I really like what they did here, which is her determined to make limbo a better place, you know, like to like, there's it's for horrible people, but it's like, you know, nothing like the line, nothing heals in darkness, you know? And she's like, you know, I I will leave them out of the cold. I'll show them they have a home. And then we see right in the middle of New York City now the limbo embassy to New York City, which has Chasm in it. He's he's one of the people that are there. I, I thought it was very strange because I saw online somebody put one of those people that have been mad at this story since the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, basically like, oh, why are the X-Men taking control of Ben? Well, that doesn't make sense. I'm like, no, it's limbo. It's not the X-Men. It's right. limbo. I'm like, you idiot. Read the book. I'm like, so... <laughs> But yeah, I, I thought it was a cool ending. And Hollow's Eve gets away, thanks to Chasm, which I thought was really cool. 
Um, that definitely leads into her own book and what could be possible there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I really liked the ending. I thought it was really well told. And yeah, I, I thought it was a nice, tidy, neat little crossover. What do you think? Uh, first, I got to go back to my boy, Rec Rap. My boy, yeah. Rec Rap, came... <laughs> he came with the fucking force. The fact that he's billed number five over actual established Marvel yeah. characters <laughs> just goes to oh. show how awesome he is. And also the moment where they all show up and they're about to fight and the J. Jonah Jameson line is my favorite, actually, where he's like, Spider-Man's like, I'm going to go, I'm going to go do this. And he goes with me, Rec Rap, his other web guy. He's like, sure. And then J. Jonah Jameson's in, and uh, where he's like going home. He's like, oh, thank God. <laughs> yeah. like, I love that line so much. Um, yeah. No, it, it's, it, it was, it was a very fun event. Like uh, I really enjoyed the whole thing um, for just how ridiculous it was, but it just, it's i like how this culminated from like for like from everything that, that we have been reading um it just made for like great nonsense fun and but the repercussions of it are stuff that i'm really excited for to read later um yeah it's just, it was a really good event definitely all right now it's time for Krakoa. <sighs> x-force 37 <sighs> this book all right so Written by Benjamin Percy, the Madman. Art by Robert Gill. Color by Guru Effects and letter by Joe Caramagna. So they're still trying to find these these fuckers. Basically, Zeno. And we know that Zeno has the mutant kid he stole and is using him uh, for, you know, psychic powers and such. And that's going to be him fertilizing the egg that Beast is stupid and gave him. Um, A lot of this book is dedicated to this guy's origin which was really interesting, very dark. I thought that was that was interesting. Mm-hmm. One thing I will point out is this, I'm pretty sure it's Quentin Quire, like an yes. athlete clone of Quentin Quire. That's what I thought. So, so there is a Quentin Quire out there. So. <sighs> <laughs> I, I love how like he was originally like a character we shit on, and now it's like, when's Quentin coming back? <laughs> like, so, um, obviously, there's a lot going on here. Um, Domino, in an attempt to find Zeno, gets back her painful memories, which was really interesting. But the most interesting part about it is, is Colossus had told her Mm -hmm. that she asked to have them race, but now she remembers her saying, I want to remember everything. Do you promise me, Peter? Yeah. Having that come back in. So, so that we know that she knows that he knows that she'll know. (laughs) Fuck dude. And with everything he's done with this whole traitor thing going on, this is the first real suspicion on him. Yes, the first the legitimate. Yep. Mm-hmm. So that's very interesting, and we do know he joins the cast later on. That's true. <laughs> so, hmm, I really liked it though. I thought it was really cool. Very X Force. I love the the Omega Red Deadpool dynamic. Even though it's <laughs> the wall, it, it, it so doesn't make sense in this book, but it works perfectly too at the same time. <laughs> like this should be more of a serious book, but it's also hilarious, and I love it. So uh, that, that, that was a great bit. Like it's like a what, seriously, what the fuck is it with the wall? Or even like Deadpool is like, oh, we should we need to have like our own like signature X Force. That's what kind of forever. It's like fuck. <laughs> um, I like that he like annoys Omega Red, and Omega Red will just kill him. Like I like yes. that dynamic so much. Omega Red's like, I'm done with this fucking shit. <laughs> like, like I love that. Everyone else is like, oh, Deadpool. He's like, nope. <laughs> You're interrupting my wall time. <laughs> That's a big no no. <laughs> yeah. So good stuff. Obviously building something more. I'm very curious mm-hmm. to see what happens there. Which brings us to our final book of the week. Uh... Yes! Yes! 
Yes. Wait, no, I just remembered. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, what's wrong with Legion of X10. Written by Cy Spurrier, penciled by Neto Diaz, inked by Sean Parsons and Alvaro Lopez, colored by Harvard Havatartelli and, and Ruth Redman, letter by Joe Caramagna. Or no, Clayton Kyle's God. There's so many names. <laughs> um, obviously, this cast is huge, so we're going to go bit by bit. Let's start with fucking Charles Xavier. <laughs> Dude, okay, let's just talk about his fucking journal entry. Talk about info pages and how much I fucking hate that guy. Fucking ruined everything again. The dataless contingency? Stop. Get the fuck out of here, dude. He's like, oh, Legion wants to meet with me. Well, I'm going to bring a fucking Trojan horse with me. Oh, he's doing a good thing. Whoopsie, Trojan horse got out. Fuck you, Charles. <sighs> Piece of <sighs> shit. <laughs> um, so we won't linger on that for too long because we both know where we stand when it comes to Charles Xavier. Um, other bits that are really great. Let's talk about Kurt with his adopted mother. Mm. Uh, that was really interesting. Um, obviously, it looks like everybody was injured pretty badly. I'm assuming they're going to survive. Kurt's getting really twisted and mutated. It's getting worse. It's getting so faster. Yeah, we'll see. That's interesting. Um, Okay, let's just get straight to this. <laughs> the main four. The main four. Come on. Yes. We need to set that up, though. We need to set that up. I okay. fucking screamed. It's like, there's no fucking I way. I too. I was like, <laughs> they're like, hey, Juggernaut, why don't you just blast your way through this wall? And he's like, I don't have it. And I don't feel strength. And then Banshee, the spirit of variance, is like, perhaps there's a way of restoring some of your lost puissance. And he's like, what? <laughs> he's like, uh, he's like. You know, basically, I'm a ghostwriter, and he's just like, You mean ghostwriter, right? So, what? He goes, A writer must have a steed. And I put the book down. I was Me like, too. <laughs> <laughs> Like, there's no way, there's no fucking way, but that'd be so cool. That'd be really, really cool. I, I immediately saw it in my head, and I was like, I know what this is going to look like. And it was better than it was in my head, by the way. <laughs> so, I was like, Okay. And then we have a cutscene back to Curtin, though, for a bit. I'm like, Okay, cool. And then it's literally a page turn, and then there's just this fucking picture. <laughs> It's my favorite thing. I love it so it's much. It's so awesome. Like, how overpowered is this? It's so fucking hilarious to me. And <laughs> they just wreck shit, as only Banshee and Juggernaut teamed up can. <laughs> um, okay, enough of the fun shit, though. Aww. We do see a moment where Lost finds her little earbud mm-hmm. and puts it in and remembers that Forget Me Not exists. And he's like, hey, Sentinels. And, she, and he saves them all by basically telling them there were sentinels. Yeah. And then he dies. And she's just like, I will bring you back. And then the little piece that falls out of her ear later on. And they're like, well, we saved the day. Nobody died today as they walk away from him. <sighs> After four issues of every forget me not joke that we've been dying at. To end it like that was fucking brutal. <laughs> it, was, it was seriously messed up. Just, oh, what a, what a book, man. There's so much going on, but every story's good. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, I loved it. What Anything you want to add? Um, I mean, just the fucking Ghost of Variance and, and his steed. <laughs> it's just like so badass. Um, I love how ridiculous we've gotten with that. Yes. Like just in the past three years. <laughs> like, <laughs> like turning a, hill, a shield helicarrier into one and shit. <laughs> like, yeah. like, this is the best. Anything the Ghost Rider touches, it becomes a part of him, a part of his arsenal. Why not? Um, 
the next info page, like though we did stop Nimrod with the Sentinels, what is that going to mean for everywhere else and where he got to plant his seed? Um, and then the, the whole mother thing, the whole mom thing, uh, like maybe like like why the mutation has been accelerating for for Nightcrawler, and then now this whole thing with the Hope Sword, and that was kind of fucked up too. Oh yeah, the Hope Sword that mm-hmm. was cool as shit. Yeah, like I love the concept of it. Yes, like, that's really cool. And it makes sense. I hope he gets that back, mm-hmm. and that becomes like a core thing because he's always been a swashbuckler type. Exactly. Yeah. And the fact he wasn't involved in Ten of Swords was kind of like the biggest crime of that event. A little bit, not gonna lie, <laughs> especially when it wasn't a swords tournament. So it's like, why couldn't he be a part of the shenanigans? Because he's always been a swashbuckler. He always wanted to be a pirate. He always wanted yeah. to be Errol Flynn. That's like his thing. So they're like, yeah, we're gonna have a sword crossover, but no Nightcrawler. <laughs> I'm like, ah. It's like okay, but Cipher's gonna be there. Why? <laughs> like, I, I mean, we got a great love, like relationship out of it, but still. So, <sighs> all right, that is all the comics of the week. Is there anything else you've been reading, sir? Did you read more Age of Apocalypse? Please I tell did. Me you did. I did read more Age of Apocalypse. I went to the Companion because um, it was. Um, I did follow. I did follow my outline, and I, it was the um, Chronicles of the Tale of Age of Apocalypse, and then Tales of the Age of Apocalypse. I really um, like Chronicles one. Yeah, no, I, 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 I'm glad I went that way. So it's like there was like the the good setup, like the the Legion Quest Alpha, and then I read the first issues of, of each of them. So then, I, so I wanted to know how all these came together, and I'm glad I did so um, because and and going into, I also did read, um, also went in, into like the Blink book, but I, I but it also says the last three pages. It does say this is after um, the end of of the Age of Apocalypse. So cool, I'll save those for later. And I mean, I'm happy I, I read them, but and then it's, and it's because. What I didn't know, because I just assumed like, oh, it's the Age of Apocalypse, so it's, Mag- it's Magneto's team. So, and how you told me, and, and how I've seen it, that's like Sabretooth plays like the Wolverine role. Um, yeah. But I didn't know how that happened. I just thought it was like, oh, it's because it makes sense. That would be his, his Wolverine. I didn't know that Sabretooth was actually part of Apocalypse's team, and he was the only one that kind of like defected and came over. That's cool. That, that was a cool detail um, that I like. I like how that played out. And yeah. that being said, reading the Blink book, I'm glad I read the Blink book. Um, because then, oh, that I kind of lied. I did get to at least read um, Astonishing X Men two, and and in the and then reading going into that one, I'm glad I did read the Blink book w- within like the the whole like setting up the timeline. Uh, because in this eight in this timeline or in the for the Age of Apocalypse, I get the feeling that's like that the Sabretooth and Blink uh, bond is reminiscent to the Wolverine and Jubilee uh, relationship. Of like that and, mentor and, and like uh, apprentice, yeah. they're just like so different from each other. Um, and I feel I feel like I wouldn't have gotten that if I would have saved the Blink book for like much later because like her whole bond, even though she has like amnesia for a whole for a whole um, uh, that many, but it's like she does reflect heavily on Sabretooth. The whole what was the other part? The summer is a storyline with with the fucking dad um, and how he was part of the uh, how he got yeah. infected with the brew. That was really cool. Um, because I was wondering how that was going to play into it. It's like, well, this seems pretty legit. Like, why why are they still siding with Sinister on like the main storyline? But then it's like Sinister just like really fucking played them. Um, yeah, no, it's 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 really good. I'm I'm hoping to, I was going to continue more, but then I got into I thought I was going to get into it with people, but I didn't because they don't fu- they didn't fucking read their shit. They don't read their shit like we do, Keith. <laughs> um, I read the uh, Kamen Rider Kuga volumes for. Um, uh, the kind of adaptation for Kuga and Agito, um, but in manga form. So it's not the seasons, it's just like a little different. It's like combining the two seasons. And they're really good. There's a whole uh, controversy that like the books didn't get translated well. So it's kind of like 
that sucks for the that sucks for like from like from the company. People were really adamant on like y'all should really try more, and I get that point. Had that actually happened, but the books are fine. Nerds for a community that that has to read your their shows on a weekly basis, pick up a fucking book instead of like instead of like talking shit about it first. Uh, do your homework. And then lastly, I read this. Uh, I read this really really heavy um, book called "Why Don't You Love Me," and Oh, it's, it's funny. It's super relevant. Um, fuck. I didn't take, I didn't take a picture of the back. Did I, I sent you a picture of like what I read, but damn it. There's a great book. There's a great quote in the back, um, describing it. And it's a call just basically describing it as a masterpiece. And that quote is by, um, Neil Gaiman. So it's like, well, it's like the only quote on there. Like there's no description of the book and it's just like the only text in the back. It's like, well, let me, let me just check it out then. And it's not your conventional graphic novel. It's it's more of a there's a, an overarching story that that, that that plays into it, but each chapter is told like a comic strip. Like each page starts out with the title card, like comic strips do. Like why don't you love me? And it plays into it. So a lot of them are very dark. A lot of them have like these like dry humor jokes into it, where you can definitely see the the, the humor in it. But it's like you're laughing at a at a fucked up situation here. Um, it's one of those books where it's, it's like it's not meant to be read in one sitting. It's so fucking heavy. It's borderline fucked up, but it's like it's these parents that are just like coming to grips with their with their reality now and like just and like how they're going about like their their day-to-day lives and how they can better themselves, but there's there's just but there's there's something else that that comes into fo- there's something else that comes into focus. And then so you accept that, you accept for what it is and how why it's played out that way. And then it comes to focus one more time and you're just like, yo, this shit, this shit just gets like how it, it explores itself. It's, it's relevant. It's, 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 it's a very, it was a very, very good book. Um, I recommend it. I, I recommend also not reading it in one sitting. Check it out. It's, 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 it just came out this week. It's called, why don't you love me? And that's it. Nice. Um, I started the audiobook for Terry Pratchett's weird sisters. Cause I got my uh, audible credit. So, about halfway through that i've read it before but it's really good i like the audio uh presenter so i also read two graphic novels first one is demon in the wood which is set in the Grishaverse, uh shadow and bone and um so yeah demon in the wood it is a prequel book about the darkling uh from the Grishaverse novels uh, by leo bardugo with the art by danny pendergast i really liked it it's very much a young adult novel, and uh, yeah, I'm a huge fan of the Grishaverse. I absolutely love the Grishaverse, so um, very much loved this. Can't wait for more, and season two is in March, and I cannot wait. So, good stuff. And the other book is Four Kids Walk Into a Bank. Uh, so, yeah, uh, fans of our show might know I purchased this live on the show about two weeks ago. Uh Art and design by Tyler Boss, flatting by Clara DeZutti, lettering by Thomas Maurer, and writing by Matthew Rosenberg. I really liked it. It was fucking great. Um, it's uh, it's irreverent and very funny. It's also very Boss and Rosenberg. <laughs> like, like, I mean, there's no description for it. You know what I mean? Like, that's just what it is. And um, I, I, I enjoyed it. I think my only problem with it is, is it's too sad in the end. <laughs> like, it's too sad. But Paige 
is awesome. She might be my favorite Boston Rosenberg character, actually. Yeah, I loved it. I thoroughly loved it, of course. So no, no problem. No complaints. Yeah, he's funny, but Jesus, uh, the ending just, just, I like the spot, spot where she's talking to him and he's bouncing on the, uh, trampoline. So you just see his feet the entire time they're talking. I loved that bit. That was great. So, but yeah, I really, really enjoyed it. Highly recommend it. It's great. Um, I mean, I knew I would, <laughs> you know what I mean? It, it wasn't like it was in dispute. So great stuff. But that's it for me. Uh, so we're going to go ahead and move on and wrap up. Uh, those are the issues that we had this week. Don't forget to check us out on Twitter. You can find me at WHI Podcast Keith. You can find our producer Liz at WHI Podcast Liz. You can find Hostway at Hostway Reads Hostway. You can also find this show at WHI Podcast on Twitter. On there, uh, you can check out all of our updates, including when new episodes drop, which should always be on Saturday mornings. Um, it'll have a list of every issue that we review, pictures, timestamps, everything you might need. We also tend to repost some things uh, from like special announcements and stuff like that. So the best way to keep up with us on there is WHI Podcast on Twitter. Make sure to follow our other show, Jukebox Vertigo, at Jukebox Vertigo on Twitter. That is our musical playlist building show where every other week we sit with our friends and special guests and build a musical playlist based on a randomized category. Our next episode will release on Monday, this coming Monday, and it is the Jukebox Roulette. Uh, This is where instead of having one category, we randomly roll the categories on the show and you have a minute to make your choice. It's a lot of fun. You get a lot of really cool picks and uh, should be a blast. Uh, We are currently, uh, we currently have a special guest planned and I'm hoping they're able to show up. We will see. Uh, But if not, it'll just be me, Josue and Manda as always. And make sure to check us out on there. Now, also check out Hostway on Twitch at Hostway Plays Hostway. Not only does he play video games on there several times a week and uh, does a lot of marathon sessions several hours long. Um, he also bags and boards his comics. He does a lot of things. But every Monday evening after a Jukebox episode uh, show drops, Hostway does a listening party where he listens to all the songs that were added that week. And you can sit there and listen to them with him, chit-chat. We usually end up listening to more music at the end or playing some games or something. It's always a lot of fun. Uh, so once again, Hostway plays Hostway on Twitch. And for Jukebox Vertigo, make sure to check us out on Certain POV, which our guest case mentioned earlier. That show is part of the Certain POV network. Make sure to check us out on there and all the other great shows on there, especially the ones case mentioned, but also... Uh, just every one of them are all, they're all a lot of fun. I find myself listening to every single one of them lately. Uh, check out side quests. I might be making an appearance on side quests eventually soon, like a second one. So check that out. Uh, but that's it. Don't forget to bag board and box your new treasures. And we'll see you next week with a new batch of beautiful books. Stay safe and read more comics. nerf herders you sure you want to go with that hey everyone there we go more inviting have you ever had a movie that you really wanted to love but something holds you back or one that you did love in spite of a flaw well i'm casey and i'm sam alisea and on another pass we sit down with cool guests to look at movies that we find fascinating but flawed and we try to imagine what could have been done when they were made to give them that little push 
We're not experts. We just believe in criticism. Uh, constructive criticism. Sure. But come take another pass at some movies with us. And every now and then, we can celebrate movies that did it on their own, too. You can find us at CertainPOV.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Pass it on. 